BFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, in for John Canzano, here's Peter Sampson with the bald faced truth. Welcome in. I am Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. This is the bald faced truth Friday edition. I hope you're in your car leaving work early right now. If you are, props. And uh, appreciate you rolling with me on your commute home. We got a huge show today. So much to talk about. Uh, NFL action last night. NFL action all weekend. The Beavs going bowling tomorrow. It's ugly Christmas sweater season. A ton of NBA to get to. I'm going to start with the Portland Trailblazers. Actually, I'm going to start with this bed music right now. Man, I don't know what's going on. We we got an upgrade here in the uh, the studio over the last couple days. Steven Vaughn, I'm coming to you crazy early. Is it just me or is, is the music like way more in stereo, like higher fidelity now? I feel like everything's just, it's just different. It's just, yeah. Everything's so different. I'm not used to it. Yeah. I noticed when I was in early uh, during the, the Rome show, 9 to noon here on the flagship station, uh, it was just, you know, some spot, some commercial or something like that from one of our fine advertisers. And I noticed it was really blasting in uh, both sides of the headphones. It was it was a little less mono, little more little more uh, stereo width. I don't know if that comes through on the broadcast, on the, uh, the AM signal, maybe on the stream, wherever you're streaming this program. But at least in my cans right here, like these are the same ones I've had for, I guess I've had these about two months now, and I've had the same model for... 17 years it's it's different today bro well i'll make sure to have it a little lower because it, it is coming in a little hot I, i'm okay with the heat i can control that here it's just it's nice and nice and crisp. nice and wide yeah it's right. just it's it's like i'm immersed in that uh who does that riff for the bft open is that the saliva i think that is gotta be yeah click click boom no, i think is. that is yeah. saliva taking me back to the early 2000s i think i saw them at some terrible festival somewhere back in the day of course like earlier this week of course i i was talking about the the old tattoo the earth festival that i went to but there is a lot of sports to get to today and i'm going to start right now now the trailblazers are in action tonight trailblazers seem to have righted the ship they've won what four or five five or six and uh it's no coincidence that uh, their struggles now look, and they're not necessarily winning with defense anymore, but I don't think it's any accident that they went through those struggles when Damian Lillard was out. Because when you're talking with Dame, it's totally healthy. He's balling out of his mind this year, and the Trailblazers have a great record. Okay, so there's a game tonight, and we'll kick that around. But what I really want to talk about is it is the day after December 15th. Now, why does that matter, Peter Sampson? I'll tell you why. Because we are now officially into trade season. Players that have signed contracts, many of them, become eligible to be traded on December 15th. Now, that's the case with several Blazers. January 15th, also an important day for players that re-signed with the team that they were with, Yusuf Nurkic and Fernie Simons. And I want to talk about trade season. Now, the Blazers, again, seem to be playing better. And, uh, you know, the whole question earlier, this is this real? Is it fake? Is it sustainable? Well, s- sort of. Uh, obviously, they went through their struggles. They're sort of winning with offense as opposed to defense. But right now, look, man, they're 16 and 12. They're in fifth place. They are only uh, a game and a half out of third place. Uh, you know, two games out of uh, second place. It's a tight, tight conference in the West. But we know this isn't a complete roster. 
And uh, now that trade season is here, it's really interesting. And my man, Sean Hyken, I have him on the show whenever I can. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and plug his Rose Garden report. He's not asking me to do so, but I'm doing it because if you're a Blazers fan, man, that is that's the one thing that you need. Maybe the only thing you need. He put out a trade season primer for the Trailblazers. I don't know how many words it was. I got it in my email yesterday morning. Might have been Wednesday morning. And it was like a it was like a small novel. And it was incredibly insightful. Basically, until the rumors actually start bubbling up, the actual, oh, this player might go here. That piece that he wrote is literally the only thing you need. As a Trailblazers fan, it w- it was just so so good, and uh, it has all the contract details, eligibility, what he's hearing, and uh, we know that this roster is not complete. And look, they do need a little more help, um, and they have some decisions to make. Obviously, Damian Lillard is the one guy that's untouchable. You can probably put Anthony Simons into that category. I did speculate before the season that, you know, if Shaden Sharp magically pops or Josh Hart goes crazy, maybe Anthony Simons and his $25 million per year contract could be the guy that could be included for someone else with his performance this year. I'm sort of backed off on that idea. Just sort of spitballing in the offseason. It made sense to me. But Sean had had an interesting take that I tend to agree with. And, Stephen, I want to ask you, when you're looking at uh, Blazers that are going to maybe be here past whatever the date is, February 8th or or whatever it is, trade deadline, always around Valentine's Day, Yusuf Nurkic may be the most likely trailblazer to be on the move. And I sort of agree with that because... He has a his contract is sort of in that middle like it's pretty good value it's not great value he can produce he just look Yusuf Nurkic just is what he is he's a good player he's not incredibly consistent when he's on though you go like man this dude if he puts this together he could be an all star and then he'll get frustrated and commit three fouls in in six minutes and have to ride the bench for the next two quarters but. I sort of wonder, with the decisions the Blazers have to make, they need to re-sign Jeremy Grant. Right now, they're literally like $100,000 below the the tax apron right now. They have to re-sign Jeremy Grant. I mean, we could all agree on that, right? Looking at Jeremy Grant's play, how he fits with his team, that is job number one. They also have a decision to make with Josh Hart. Josh Hart has a $12.9 million option next year, and I think it's obvious that he's going to opt out of that. Because, well, frankly, he can get more on the open market. So, Josh Hart, an interesting question. Because, look, it makes sense. Like, if we can't afford to extend this guy, we need to trade him and get something for him. But you look at how he's played. He's become an instant fan favorite. Like, Steven, fans are, even if it makes sense and you have to do it to get something for an asset, like, uh, some subset of the fan base is going to sort of riot if Josh Hart gets traded on February 1st. Yeah, Josh Hart's been so big for this team in so many different ways, and it's not just scoring the basketball. Like, I wish he would shoot the ball more. And lately, he has been shooting it slightly more uh, from three. The last five games, he's shot at least four, three, or at least three pointer, three three pointers in four of the five. So maybe that shot confidence is getting back around, but he does all the little things, right? And, you know, he gets rebounds, he plays defense. You love when he gets a defensive rebound or a steal, and then he goes one on three or fast break all by himself, finishes the hoop. He's been really good. And I agree with you. Like, 
he's one of those guys where every good team is going to want Josh Hart, right? Like he's a perfect, perfect bench guy can throw him in the starting line. He can play multiple positions. If you're contending and you're a contending team, you want a guy like Josh Hart. So he's always going to value. But now that Portland has him, I'm, I'm with you. Like if he gets traded, there's a lot of me. There's been a lot of fans that are very upset with that. Yeah. And I understand Josh Hart along with Dame is, is probably my favorite player to watch when I'm uh, when I'm watching the games. Just because he's pure effort. I wish he shot more. But, I mean, just watching him crash the boards with the big guys. I mean, he, he's just awesome. He's just a winner. But, again, knowing what he's going to command on the market next year, already being locked into paying Jeremy Grant. I mean, look, financial constraints are financial constraints. You You can't afford to keep both unless you really believe that just not changing our roster anymore we're going to be a contender. And I don't think that the Trailblazers believe that. I think they're very pleased with where they are so far. I think they believe they're even a little bit better than they thought they were. But ultimately, you still need more. You have to make a decision there. To me, it's it's got to be Jeremy Grant. So that takes me to uh, Yusuf Nurkic. Again, we know what Yusuf Nurkic is. And you sort of look at the uh, the options out there. People still kind of speculating on DeAndre Ayton. The Suns did not want to pay him. And it has nothing to do with DeAndre Ayton himself. It, that goes into ownership, not believing that a center should be a max player for whatever reason. And I, I guess I can sort of understand why, at least in a, uh, a fantasy or rotisserie basketball sense. But DeAndre Ayton, a very good player. Very young, very athletic. And... Uh, Possibly if you could uh, maybe pry him away. But there are also other guys available as well. As teams start to uh, look to fade and get into the Victor Wimbenyama sweepstakes, they're going to be looking to uh, move off of guys. Uh, I hear that Jakob Pertl might end up being available here shortly. We saw what he did to Portland. Obviously, he didn't play when the Blazers beat the Spurs just the other day. But he he went for, I remember, like a career high, like 34, rebounding monster, good defensive center. And you sort of look at that and you go, well, maybe that could free up some options and it could get, uh, you know, and this is no disrespect to Yusuf Nurkic, but Yusuf Nurkic, his game isn't necessarily the style that Chauncey Billups wants to play. And that was the whole talk this offseason, right? And even a little bit last year, like good players versus Chauncey Billups style guys. You know what I mean? Norman Powell, Robert Covington. Are those Chauncey guys? Not necessarily. CJ McCollum, is that a Chauncey guy? Not necessarily. So could you potentially make a sort of an equivalent talent swap that might fit better. Or possibly if you're looking at Nurk and, and uh, Sean said this, I tend to agree with it too. The, the best sweetener that the Blazers probably have to offer is a, uh, is a key on Johnson because he's still so young. He's on that low contract and he's shown just enough flashes. He hasn't played a ton this year, but he's done well in his minutes. Teams can easily talk a dude, a talk themselves into a dude that athletic who just showed a little bit more uh, ability this year uh, to play within the offense. Nurk and Keon, probably, I tend to agree with hiking here, probably the two most likely players to be gone at the deadline, and then hard is the question mark. Uh, Steven, your take on that? The only question I have is if you do trade Nurk, and I, you know, I'm not the biggest Nurk guy. He's been playing a lot better lately. Yeah, and even this season, like his shooting percentage is, uh, I believe, a career high. Except for last season, it was a little higher. It's at 52 and a half. Last 15 games, he's shooting 55. percent He plays good defense. I think. I think he's a pretty good defender in the pick and roll. If you trade Nurk. Like what? Unless you're trading for DeAndre Ayton or you're trading for another center, like what are you going to do with that position? Because Drew Eubanks, for as much as I like him, as much as he's 
been a pleasant surprise. Like he's not the guy. So that'd be the only question for me is if unless you're getting back a legitimate center that is a big, a way bigger upgrade than Nurk. I I, I don't necessarily know why we're, you would trade Nurk at this point. I just I just don't see it. But Keon, I'm with you. I think Keon has shown enough where he he's come into games a few times and done some really good things. I think a good a team that is building you know rebuilding would want a guy like him just to see what he can do. Whether it's whether you know whether he maxes out his potential or not, who knows? But he seems like a guy who could be a rotation piece at some point. So I think uh, I agree with you on Keon. I don't know that I necessarily agree with you on Nurk, but uh, it would be very interesting because I just w- I would want to see what they would do next. Yeah, and I do think if you do move Nurk, it is for another big. And of course, I have to include my disclaimer here about what I thought about Drew Eubanks versus what he's done. He's been phenomenal. Uh, frankly, a revelation in his role. Do I think he's ready for 32 minutes a game? I don't. But he's been fantastic. But I, what I really do believe is that some bigs are going to shake out here. I think we're going to have a really active deadline. And I'm not even talking about Portland specifically. I just mean a lot of teams at a certain point are going to be sort of middling. And they know that what the ceiling we're going to reach the play in and just get obliterated. Or we can just rip the cord. And uh, try to uh, try to tank out a little bit. Now, the one disadvantage that the Blazers have is uh, uh, their draft pick this year. Now, it's lottery protected. Uh, they do not seem to be headed uh, to the lottery, but that's headed to Chicago this year. So they don't have a pick this year, presumably, to add. And, and I guess what makes that worse is there is, in theory, uncertainty with that pick. Even if you offer a pick, you go like, well, we could offer it this year, but it might not be available, and then we'll have to push it down the road. But also, if the other pick gets put down the road, then we might we might be playing this dance with two different teams. I don't see a lot of GMs wanting that uncertainty. It is something to consider, but that is a little bit of a wrinkle into this. But I'm curious who you think the Blazers should target. And even if you don't have a name in mind, just what should they target? I mean, of course, Jared Vanderbilt. I think uh, we all know that Dame wants to play with him. We know, you know, not a crazy high salary. Of course, Blazers aren't the only team that would love to have a Jared Vanderbilt. That's the issue. They wouldn't be sole bidders there. The other issue is that's Danny Ainge, man. And he does not play when it comes to the trade deadline. He will try to take everything from you. He'll have his hand in your pocket while he's negotiating with you. Uh, don't know about OG Ananobi. I mean, if Scotty Barnes had taken the next step, I think OG would be much more available. The Raptors, not great this year, but even though they have that plethora of wings, no one has really stood out this year. So just taking names out of the equation, uh, Stephen, if you're looking just positionally or as a type of player that the Blazers should be looking to target, what are you thinking? For me, it's going to be another wing that is a really good defender. And the reason I say that is because, you know, I'm assuming GP2 is going to come back at some point. (laughs) We don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, there's rumors it's going to be within the next couple weeks, hopefully. And if he does, I think he's going to fill a a very big void. But, again, GP2 is, what, 6'1", 6'2". Like, he's not big. I would love to have some type of athletic wing, you know, 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", that can get on the wing and play some really good defense. That way, Jeremy Grant can be a little more of just an offensive player because you know he's fine off the ball. I think he's a really good off-ball defender. On ball, he's very bad at getting through screens, and he's been having to guard a lot of guards this season. Yeah. I think at some point that might tire him down a little bit. So I'd love to get another guy like that to take a little pressure off of Jeremy Grant uh, on the defensive end. So I think that's a big one for me. The other, the other spot I think the Blazers need 
is someone off the bench that can handle the basketball. Right now, you know that that role is kind of Shane Sharp, but he has struggled a mm. lot lately. I do think they need another ball handler off the bench that can you know come into the game, and then when they do, you know, put Ant or Dame off the ball and have that guy run the offense. I think that is very important for Portland. Yeah, it remains to be seen. Travis is in on Twitter at Peter Sampson. He says Duran would be a good addition. Yeah, Detroit not trading Jalen Duran. Way too young. I mean, you're right. Jalen Duran would be a good addition. But uh, he's not going anywhere, at least not for the time being. But what would you like to see? Who do you think is on the block? 503-417-7575. Like I said, I am on Twitter, at Peter Sampson, S-A-M-P-S-O-N. We'll go away, come back, continue this conversation. And, of course, the NFL, big weekend of action this week and next week as well. We'll kick that around next. I'm in for Kanzano. This is the Bald Face Truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back in. Peter Sampson in for Canzano. Hope you're having a great Friday. Full slate of NFL action this weekend. And uh, with college football, at least the regular season, officially over. The NFL taking over Saturdays for the next two weeks. Got three games on the schedule tomorrow. And uh, these are all on the NFL network. Uh, you've got Colts at Vikings in the uh, the 10 o'clock game. Uh, you've got Ravens at Browns, 1.30. And then you've got Dolphins at Buffalo, that was a that's a rematch. Dolphins beat Buffalo, I believe, handed them their first loss uh, earlier this season. And uh, I don't, I like the idea of Saturdays. Let me let me pose this. I mean, obviously, the NFL used to just be Sundays, and obviously they added Monday night football. It was an institution. Then you've got Thursday night football happening now, and they want to continue to branch out. They're always going to own Sundays. They just are. But late in the season, you start seeing these Saturday games as well. Would would you support a weekly NFL game on Saturday, or should they keep that clear for college football? I like that they keep it clear for college football. It, it is good now that they're bringing it in because they do have Saturday games for the playoffs, right? You, you think a wild card weekend, mm-hmm. they always have those Saturday games. So it is nice to, you know, once the college football season's over, to have some, you know, some of the cleanse of that, and then get used to that Saturday game in the NFL. But you know, the NFL already dominates so much of uh, the sports landscape. I-, I like to get away from it for just a day. I-, I think it's good that they have it Monday, Thursday, and then Sunday. But to have it Saturday, I mean, and you know, Peter, like if they do, if they just had one game, like that game would dominate the talking points. So I do like that we can get away from it for a day and uh, focus on some other stuff. Yeah, I-, I agree with that as well. I mean, Saturday is in the fall. I. <laughs> I already have a hard enough time sorting through, you know, picking like which of the 48 college football games I have access to that I'm even going to watch. If you mix in an NFL game, especially if it's like a like a must watch big time game and then it's at the same time as, say, the Oregon game or the Oregon State game or, or you know, a, a number two versus number four matchup, something like that. It makes it really, really tough. So I don't want this to expand too much and don't get me wrong i know nfl guy he'd take it seven days a week if he could but that is definitely not me now looking at these games man i mean colts vikings eh, i mean 
I don't know. Am I crazy that despite the Vikings record, I'm just not a big believer in Minnesota? No, I mean, I think you, uh, you're right on about it. And the betting market says the same thing. I mean, three and a half points right now to the Colts, who are 4-8 on the season. And it's in Minnesota, which is one of the better home field advantages. Like, that line doesn't make any sense. But Minnesota has one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Yeah. Like you can look at it statistically. They may be the worst in all of the NFL, but that offense with Justin Jefferson has been so good. They've been squeaking out wins. All of their wins have been by uh, or um, one possession or less. Less than a possession or up to eight points. It's all their wins all season long. So they've been all close games, and, you know, you can go back and forth on if it's lucky or if it's skill to have those. But I, I think you're right, Minnesota, good team, not a great team. And you're looking at the NFC playoff race, you know, the Niners look like they're for real, even with Brock Purdy as quarterback. The Cowboys, the Eagles look like they're for real with those two those two teams and those yeah. defenses. And, you know, the Eagles offense with Jalen Hurts, who could be the MVP. After that, like, there's no one else in the NFC that can do it. So I think Minnesota, you know, everyone's going to be shooting to play Minnesota in that second round if they can. Because they're really not that good of a team. They're an average team that's gotten some wins this year. Yeah, it's crazy. So ten and three, six and one at home, four and two on the road, which is pretty darn good. Minus one point differential this year. I mean that that's virtually as average as you can get. And I mean, it, which I guess makes sense. You know, obviously they lost to the Lions last week. I mean, the Lions were favored in that game. Lions were five and seven. They were favored. I thought it was kind of nutty until I mean, look what happened. Yeah, and you know now Detroit with Seattle's loss, Detroit knocking on the doorstep yeah. of the playoffs. And I, you know, I'm not even a big, you know, Dan Campbell like motivation rah rah type of guy. But I will say, I I hope Detroit can get in the playoffs. They're they're playing really well offensively. Defensively, they're not very good. But at least offensively, Jared Goff's been uh, commanded that offense. So that's something to look out for, especially with that Seahawk loss last night. Uh, yeah, those three games on Saturday, though, will be very interesting. I think we got all three of them on uh, here locally, 7.50 the game, so uh, tune nice. in as well. So, But, uh, I mean, those Vikings, man, well, I mean, do you think it's more of a a result of just that conference or that division, you know, the AFC, or the NFC uh, North with the Packers and the Lions and the Bears just not being very good? Yeah. Or is it just more of a luck thing with Minnesota that they've gotten so lucky in these all these close games? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, yeah, I mean the Bears three and ten, the Packers five and eight, the Lions in second place there in the North six and seven. But also the th- the weird thing about the NFL, you know, you look at Major League Baseball, it's one hundred and sixty two games, NBA's eighty two, hockey's trying to move to eighty four right now. NFLs, it's it's 17 games, man, and so there can be a lot of variance. In those long schedules, everything sort of regresses to the mean, right, because you have a bigger data point. Where here, you can play average, but just, oh, in the last couple minutes, it shook out this way. You know, we, we grabbed a key interception. The opponent missed a field goal. All these random things where on a long enough sample size, it would shake out, and you're just talking talent. Talent wins. That's how it is in the other sports. And often, and I'll even say usually, that's what it is in the NFL, but it is short enough you can get that variance. So I think it's kind of a combination of the two. It's just wild to, to see a 10-3 and three team have scored 312 points and given up 313. Do, do you think that Minnesota is a legitimate contender in the NFC? I, you know, I named off the three teams that I thought were and I don't necessarily know that they're like elite, elite teams. I just think the NFC is a little down this year. Do you think Minnesota can crack that top three and be in that upper tier. 
People just with the luck they've had this year, how you know maybe it keeps going in the playoffs. I mean, maybe you never say never. I mean, because obviously they don't play series in the NFL, so anything can happen in, in a playoff game. But I just look at the Eagles. I look at the the 49ers, especially since they added McCaffrey. I mean, they've won seven in a row now. The Cowboys have been good. Outside of that. I don't really see anyone separating themselves. Now, that being said, I mean, could Minnesota or anyone else stun someone in a game? Of course they could. I mean, that's kind of what makes the NFL great. It's 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 what frustrates me sometimes, but it's also what makes it awesome. That's why you have to watch. You never know what's going to happen. But really, I mean, all other things being equal, I certainly would not expect Minnesota to be able to hang with those groups. Yeah, you know, I think the AFC is a little different, but yeah, the NFC for me, it's you know, I don't, I don't consider Minnesota a real contender on that side. I just think it's going to be too tough for them to have to beat, you know, a good probably. They're probably going to have to place the 49ers in the second round. Probably not the Cowboys. Cowboys probably have to play the Eagles. Yeah. So I think it'd be tough for the Vikings to have to beat, you know, San Francisco and then go on the road and beat Philadelphia, or even beat a tough Dallas team who's already gone to Minnesota and absolutely wrecked the Vikings earlier this season. Like I just think it's going to be tough for Minnesota, but. It's one of those cases where, you know, luck versus stats, like, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, analytics doesn't take into account luck all the time. You know, for baseball, a lot of times it's like, you know, you look at RBIs are basically where you're putting the batting order, but some guys are just better with runners in scoring position than others. Like, yep. You can't put stat on it. The Vikings, like you said, a negative uh, point differential, but still 10-3 and three in the season. Like, it's it's an insane case right now, and I'm excited to see how they uh, how they do the rest of the season because I'm with you. I don't think they're that good. But I can't discount it. Like, I watch it with my eyes. I'm like, well, this team at least is winning. Like, I have that has to count for something. Yeah, I mean, technically, it counts for everything. Right, right, <laughs> you know? exactly. But, uh, yeah, I'm just not necessarily a believer. So that's your early game tomorrow. After that, you've got uh, – you have the – uh, Ravens taking on the Browns, Baltimore Ravens, nine and four. They've won a couple in a row. The Browns, uh, honestly, I've not been tracking the Browns. I don't care about Deshaun Watson. I don't care about Cleveland. Uh, I expect Baltimore to win this game. I will not watch it though. Yeah. Deshaun, uh, I can tell you he has not been playing well in his shocker. T- yeah. In his first two, two games back, uh, Cleveland is a slight favorite, but that's because Tyler Huntley is going to be the quarterback. Right. Anthony Brown, former duck, uh, backup quarterback. I was kind of hoping Tyler Huntley would be out. See Anthony Brown in the starting lineup, have all these Duck fans go crazy if uh, if he plays well. That would have been pretty fun. That would have been. I, I w- Maybe I would have tuned in that, to that, but, uh, you know, maybe just walked away during a Browns yeah, offensive yeah. possessions. And then the uh, clear premier game of tomorrow, again, 515 NFL Network, Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Miami, look, we knew, solid team. And uh, they've certainly had a pretty good year here, eight and five. Now they have lost a couple in a row. Uh, it was so funny, all this chatter about Justin Herbert being a, a, what is it, a social media quarterback, yeah. and Tua this and blah blah blah. Well, uh, the Chargers uh, and Justin Herbert took on Tua, and he kicked his ass. Well, he kicked the defense's ass anyway. I mean, just absolutely outperformed him, which was great news. The Chargers managing to keep their uh, their playoff hopes alive. But uh, so you have Miami, who has beat Buffalo. Now, the Bills, I don't want to say they underachieved early, but like this is a team that we were talking about maybe going like 15 and one before the season, 10 and three. They have won four in a row. They do have the second highest differential in the NFL. I mean, I certainly like Buffalo in this one. Yeah. You know, this is a, this could be a weather game. 
Honestly, yeah. Peter, like yep. the, the snow in the forecast really could be really windy. Like one to two feet of snow. Yeah, and we saw Tua last week against the Chargers start out three for 17. <sighs> like, that is brutal. And if you're telling me, like, I'm expecting him to bounce back in the snow, in the wind, like, no way. I mean, I... I want to pick the Dolphins in this game because I do think that the Dolphins are a solid team. Minus two. I think two is not that great. But I do think the Dolphins have a solid roster. But how, how can I go against the Bills in this situation with the weather like this? And just the way Tua's looked. Like, he, Tua's had such a roller coaster of a season. Start of the year, we're talking about, you know, is he even any good? Is he an NFL guy? Then the middle of the year, MVP candidate. Like, that was a real conversation. Now it's back to, well, you know, the Dolphins need to replace him. Up and down season, man. I, I There's no way I could pick the Dolphins in this one. I'd have to go to the Bills. Yeah, you know who the MVP candidate is on that team. It's Tyreek Hill, man. That's oh. what's made Tua look good at all. In my opinion, I know there are Tua believers out there. But uh, to me, he's a middle-of-the-road quarterback. He's fine. I'm not rooting against the guy. He's fine. And, you know, I was especially uh, rooting for him when he suffered that brutal-looking injury earlier this year. But, look, Tyreek Hill is the guy on that team. And that's what makes Like, imagine giving Tyreek Hill to Justin Herbert. <laughs> The thing about Tyreek Hill is, like, all these guys in the NFL are so fast and so quick, and you can tell, but he is just way faster and quicker than everybody on the field. Like, these guys are freaks, and then he is the freak of the freak. Like, it is amazing what he does. I mean, he may be the best football player in in, in the league. Yeah. I mean, that may be a fair question. Reasonable. Yeah, like, he's been awesome this year. Jalen Waddell, one of the fast receivers as well. That, that Miami, Miami offense is really good, and it is going to be a question at the end of the year, like, is two of the guy or can we upgrade at that position? Because that offense should be clicking every single night and they should never be three for 17 in a game. No, that should never happen. So yes, it's a slate of NFL games tomorrow. Uh, of course, next Saturday, Christmas Eve, we, uh, the NFL will have games as well. That's going to be interesting because Christmas is on a Sunday. Traditionally, that's the NBA quote unquote holiday. I'll be watching the NBA, but I know a lot of people are going to be tuned into football instead of the NBA. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of the unofficial start of the NBA season, really. Right. I mean, it's about 30 some games into the year. That's when you start looking like, okay, we can start looking at the standings and stuff. But yeah, the NFL, I mean, I I have no question that they're going to dominate the day. I don't know that, you know, I'll be watching both. I, I always loved, I, you know, traditionally I love to watch the NBA in that situation, but uh, now that the NFL's on, I mean, I'm going to have to have uh, eyeballs on both both the TV and maybe my phone or something. Keep it going. Exactly. That's how you're going to have to do it. Now, one advantage that the NFL is going to have this year over the NBA, Steph Curry with his injury, that makes one of the Christmas Day games featuring the Warriors much less watchable we'll talk about that later in the show as well we'll go away come back on the other side more great sports talk i am peter samson in for john canzano this is the bald face truth on the bft radio network back to the bald face truth with john canzano on 750 the game welcome back in peter samson in for jc hope you're having a great friday i don't know if anyone saw this Celtics coach Joe Mazzula reportedly, allegedly, has a Quizlet account that got leaked. I don't know if you heard about this, Stephen, but it was kind of a it was kind of the thing uh, on NBA social media uh, areas yesterday. Uh, that includes I don't and if you don't know what Quizlet is, it's 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 essentially kind of an information re- retention tool, so you can sort of uh, quiz yourself. It was a uh, you know it's great for like college students, high school students, things like that. 
But uh, that's what I was going to ask you. I didn't know what Quizlet was. Yeah. I, I'd seen the news, but I didn't really know what Quizlet was. And I, you know, I'm one of those guys where it's like, nah, I don't want to look it up. I, I don't want to feel stupid. So no, uh, thank you for explaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's since been deleted. Like it got shared online, and then it was no, that's ridiculous. Joe Mazzulla's wife. Uh, says, you know, laughing at the fact that some people think my husband was quizzing himself or something on Quizlet. Internet's undefeated. And then it magically got deleted minutes after that. And some of the the stuff here, basically what it is, is it's like quick scouting reports on players and teams. And and they are hilarious. Like the Kyle Kuzma one. Alert to leak outs. Good shooter. He is hunting shots. Is very aggressive. Likes to shoot off his left hand. Right-hand driver. Will settle settle for pull ups and then in bold he is not passing, <laughs> which I love that. I love that and of course Westbrook it, it has you know his aggressiveness likes to go to his right on and on and just terrible terrible three point shooter and on and on. I actually I got, had a chance to look at these uh, a bunch of people got screenshots of them before uh, the account was deleted so it's it's nothing scandalous like it's nothing bad. All these coaches are getting and retaining this information somehow. You know, it's whether it's uh, from themselves reviewing film, feedback from their fl- their players, scouts go out ahead of time to other games. I remember, you know, when I cover a Trailblazers game and you're sitting in press row, sometimes I'd be seated next to a scout, I'll, which I'll never forget. I don't remember the year, but you'll you'll know the era just by when I mentioned the players. I'm hanging out, and after a while. You get familiar with everyone there because you have like semi-assigned seating. There's a little placard with your name on it and the Wi-Fi login and stuff like that. So uh, I knew where I was sitting and uh, a great guy from the competition was seated next to me. That was his assigned seat. And uh, we would talk and, you know, BS and all that. But there was like a floater seat next to me. And, uh, you know, occasionally it'd be like a smaller media outlet. If they're like uh, when Jeremy Lin was in town, uh, you would have, uh, y- you know, like like from uh, overseas, like an Asian paper there. They'd cover is really cool. But uh, one day there's a dude there and I have no idea who he is. And I'm chatting him up and he's like focused and he has like he has two monitors and he has and we're all sitting there with our lapper. You know what I mean? Just typing up the game report, getting our notes from the staff. And he's got, you know, those screen protectors, you slide it over your monitor and then people, if they're angled to the right or left, it's a privacy monitor. You can't see it unless you're looking at it dead on perfect. He had those. I'm like, what is this guy doing? And eventually I chat him up. I'm like, who are you with? Who are you with, bro? And I'm expecting to hear, you know, NBC Sports Northwest or, you know, something San Francisco. And he goes, Brooklyn. I'm like, you're from Brooklyn. It's like the Nets. It's like, oh. What are you doing here? I'm a scout. Oh, cool. That's I've, I've never gotten to talk to an NBA scout before at the time. So I start chatting him up. So what's the life like? It, frankly, it sounds like a grind because you're traveling nonstop, but you're basically by yourself. At least like the the beat reporters and the assistant coaches. And all, you, you got the team with you. You got your guys. He's out there by himself in a new city. Watch a game. He's he's like, hey, man, where's somewhere good to eat here? I, I got to get dinner. Something open late. like this. So we're chatting it up. Just making small talk. Really friendly guy. And then we're watching the game. And he's like, uh, yeah, tell me about Nurk. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he does this, man. When he gets fired up, though, he's big time. He's an underrated defender. Watch him on the, like, 
unless you're you're measuring like screen assists, he won't seem that great. But just watch the pick and roll with Dame. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we watch it, and it's good. It makes me look smart to a scout. And he's asking me about Ed Davis, and I'm like, you know, Ed Davis, like he shoots a great percentage, but it's got to be a great shot. He's he's just a dunker, a rebounder. He is a fan favorite, fan favorite. And, uh, I mean, I, I have friends that have the I Heart Ed Davis shirt, you know. The ladies really loved Ed Davis. I'm talking about all that. And you, you know, type it in there. And he asked me about someone else. And it dawns on me when he asked him, he's asking about the three free agents this year. And I'm like, wait a second here. I don't need a net sc- I don't need to be, like, selling these guys to the net scout, the three free agents. So I, I, I sort of pulled back a little bit. But it was a uh, it was an interesting experience, man. I don't know if you've I'm sure if you've had a chance to to talk to those guys, Stephen. It's an interesting life. It's a little bit of a lonely life, but man. You are immersed in basketball. Yeah, I mean, because I you know when I was with the Blazers, I was in their scouting department. Yeah. Uh, but I worked from home, like just watching film. But I really did look into like what it would take to be a scout, like on the road, like an advanced scout. Yeah, and like I looked into that, and like yeah, that life is a tough life. And you talk to people about it, like that is. I mean, that is all you're doing basically the whole year. You're just traveling yep. by yourself, hotel to hotel, getting something to eat, leaving, going on a plane, going somewhere new. So just watching people like you got to you got to love basketball. You know, something I, I thought about, I wanted to do, didn't necessarily go for it. But uh, I mean, interesting life. Cool, though, that uh, you know he was taking you seriously, though. I thought, I thought that was very cool. Yeah, it made me kind of – and I think it's because I would be, like, a little bit critical, too. Yeah. Like, well, he's going to struggle here, but watch this. Oh, yeah, you see? Look at that. Look at that. And I'm like, wait a minute, man. Because this is pretty fresh off of Nurk fever. This is before the broken leg or anything. So I'm like, wait a second. I don't want him to go. <laughs> I, you were you were selling these guys, and it was about to be the old uh, Sebastian Telfair situation. Uh, you ever hear that story with tell, Mike Rice? Tell me. Yeah, so uh, supposedly, you know, Danny Ainge, he was with the Celtics when he traded for Sebastian yes. Telfair. They traded and ended up getting – that end pick ended up being, I believe, Brandon Roy for the Blazers, like ultimately ended up being around the Brandon Roy pick. Um, for Telfair, you know – Yeah, via Randy. Via Boy. Randy, yes, yes. Yeah. At the end. But apparently it was Mike Rice that sold Danny Ainge on Sebastian Telfair <laughs> and said how good he is and had loved him and hyped him up. And so Danny Ainge wanted him really bad, ended up trading for him. Blazers ultimately at the end ended up with the draft pick that got uh, Brandon Roy. Man, we owe the wild one big time. That's a, I, I never knew that. But, I mean, good for him because, look, we all saw Sebastian Telfair play. Yeah. Man, that frustrates me to no end. And it, it was such a multi-year disaster, too. It was the pressure from Adidas. And was it, isn't he Marbury's cousin, too? And, uh, you know, so all that stuff, the, you know, he's on SI and the pressure to take him in the lottery, even though, frankly, he shouldn't have been a lottery pick. You take him. Okay, so you take him. But then the next year, you've got this really high pick and you've got a couple of guards named Chris Paul and Darren Williams coming out of college. Yeah, we already got a young point guard. We don't need those guys. We're, we're going to go ahead and draft Martell Webster. Martell, cool guy. Great shooter. He had that one amazing quarter against the Jazz where he scored like 24 points. But uh, maybe I'd just be singing a different tune about Chris Paul if he was a Blazer. The, the thing is, is like Martell, I was so wrong about Martell. I thought he was going to be awesome. I thought he was going to be so good. Like 6'7", a good athlete. Had shooter. A good looking beautiful shot. Beautiful stroke. But like the shot never fit in the percentages. Like you look right. at the percentages like, oh, you should shoot better. But the thing about Sebastian Telfair, also I want to go back to that real quick. Yeah. Like, do you remember when he like when he came out out of high school? Like that was one of the most hyped things mm-hmm. ever because he was going to go to Louisville. 
and he was really like the first point guard to declare for the NBA draft uh, straight out of high school when normally it was the big guys, right? It was KG. Um, you know, you had to be about 6'10", basically, if you wanted to go Kwame Brown, Tyson Chandler, Eddie Curry, all those guys, all really big. Telfair's six feet tall going to the NBA, first-round pick. Like, I was psyched when the Blazers were getting him just because it's like, okay, this guy's you hear all the hype about it. Like, he's going to be awesome. And that just never fit. Like, that was just one of the more fascinating things. I've I've read a bunch of stuff about Telfair. I find him very fascinating um, and his story, like, growing up. Like, he he's one of the more fascinating players that never really made it in the NBA. Yeah, and you hit it right on the head with the, the hype. I was hyped, too, but then you realize it was just hype. And you realize all the marketing dollars behind that. I mean, that, that, that was an instance of industry trying to make a thing happen. Stop trying to make Sebastian Telfair happen. It's not going to happen, okay? I Not to make light, I know he's had uh, struggles or troubles uh, post-playing career, not to make light of that. Uh, but it just it, it just wasn't going to happen in the NBA, man. I mean, he made $19 million. There you go. That'd be fine. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of guys not making it in the NBA, you mentioned Eddie Curry, too. wonder what he's Oof. up to. I meant, wait, what's eating, he up to? Yeah, eating somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, those eras, the the the, the preps to pros, the the straight high school to the NBA eras, really interesting. Obviously, in the you know after KG and Kobe uh, did it, and it started in the late '90s, it got crazy, and you had all those those busts or guys who like, like think of like you know Darius Miles, Boozer, uh, or, or Bender. Sorry, John. Yeah, yeah, Bender. John Bender. Um, Al Harrington. Yeah, all those guys where they were supposed to be the next. Like this is the next KG right here, or, you know, Amari or whatever, and it just it never happened. Sometimes it was skill, sometimes it was injury, sometimes it was you got to learn a little life before someone can hand you $15 million and you don't lose your mind. Like if I'd gotten that money out of high school, I, I would have lost it. Yeah. Robert Swift was a top 10 pick. Oh yeah. Like the thing is, is like that's, but that's why college basketball is still bad because like even a lot of these five stars that go to college, they don't perform in year one. And think about that. Like you, even if you know, like you're not the best player, but you're ranked the five-star player. Why would you have not gone to the NBA and been a first-round yeah. pick? Like Sebastian Telfair made $19 million. If he goes to Louisville and he's not very good in year one and he comes out into the draft after his freshman year, maybe a second-round pick because he's so mm. small, they see his deficiencies. So, like, that's the thing in the NBA. It's not even about, like, what you've done. It's about what you could possibly do when you enter the NBA. It's all potential, and then you just got to hope that it hits. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Like, that's the Martell pick. Like, you see him, a six seven athlete that can shoot. Or we can just pick this guy, Chris Paul, who was awesome in the ACC for two years, but he's six feet tall. Like, he had to go, <laughs> he had to, go to college and play. Like, that's the type of thing. It was like, okay, let's just go with the high school that may have more potential, but it just doesn't work out. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is. So much of it is uh, it's about fit and opportunity. You know, like a lot of these guys can ball, but they never get in the right situation or they never get the opportunity and it just flames out. It's really fascinating stuff. All right, we'll go away. Come back. Wrap up our number one on the other side. I'm Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. This is the BFT. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back in. Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. This is the Bald Face Truth. Really quickly, I'm just looking at the Western Conference standings since we were talking about the uh, Trailblazers off the top of the show as we head into uh, unofficial trade season. This is interesting. Uh, real quick, the, the order of the top eight right now. Memphis, Pelicans, Nuggets, Suns, Blazers, Kings, Jazz, Clippers. In total, one NBA championship. 
and that's the Blazers in 1977. That's how topsy-turvy this year has been so far, man. That is uh, that is very interesting, yeah. I wonder if that's going to hold up the rest of the season. I mean, we're, we're getting to that point, Peter, where it's kind of like, all right, you know, we can start buying into some of these teams. I mean, we're, we're a third of the way through. Uh, I mean, to me, that I'm sort of there to the point where maybe it's just injury. Uh, you can see some regression. Everything's so tightly packed. You know, I mean, the, the Jazz... Uh, you know, between say uh, number five and uh, number nine, I guess that'd be the Blazers and and number nine the Mavs. It's only two games. The Warriors at ten, two and a half games. T Wolves outside looking in. That's three games. Uh, but it's very very interesting. Uh, it just shows how top heavy historically the league has been. I mean, if you go like uh, uh, I guess that would be Bulls, Spurs, Lakers, Celtics. Warriors, I think that would give you about two-thirds of NBA uh, championships, at least in the modern era. Been very top-heavy. So, look, I don't expect the Blazers to be a contender, but I hope that what we're seeing is sort of reality. It'll just be fun to have something different. The Grizz right now leading the Western Conference, and that's with their big three having played literally zero minutes together. The Pelicans only a game out. Denver one and a half, the Suns eh, two and a half, Blazers three out, Sacramento like the beam baby three and a half out. Then you've got Utah and the Clippers uh, tied with the Kings as well, and the Mavericks uh, just behind them nine. And then of course the Warriors a game under five hundred, holding on to the ten spot, and they're in trouble. I mean we'll t- we'll talk about this a little bit later, but Steph Curry going to be out a few weeks with that shoulder injury. I mean, with for a team that's already trying to get right, yeah, losing, you know, 29 points a game and your 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 leader, that's a problem. I'm going to put you put you on the spot here, Peter, uh real quick before we uh, go to the break here. Yeah. Is there going to be a new NBA champion that's never won before this year? I'm looking at the East. Uh has Milwaukee won? They've won. Oh, yeah. They've, They've won. won. Yeah. They've they won had, they had cream and stuff, and of course they won recently. Uh no. No, but if there is, man, I'd love to see the Pelicans do it. I really would. They're so fun. Zion's healthy. He's balling. CJ, they've got a good young squad. I think they could contend. Memphis, it's going to be interesting if when they get Jaron Jackson back, if they're able to assimilate him, they've got a lot of talent as well. Our number one in the books, Peter Sampson in for Canzano. Keep it right here. Be back in just one minute on the BFT. BFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights. In for John Canzano, here's Peter Sampson with the bald faced truth. Hour number two of the program. I am Peter Sampson. I am in for John Canzano on a Friday. Hope your day is treating you well. Hope you're off work an hour early for the weekend. Good for you. I hope you stole some office supplies from your office while you were at it. No, I don't hope that. Wink, wink. Got a big hour of sports talk. NFL heavy. A little bit of NBA. By the way, it's National Ugly Christmas Sweater Day. I don't know how we decide what day is what national day. I don't know if there's a like a committee. You know how like Guinness is in charge of validating world records. I don't know if there's the National Academy of National Days or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, you get it's National Terrier Dog Day or it's National Donut Day, National Maple Bar Day. 
National Hug a Chicken Day, whatever it is. But today is National Ugly Christmas Sweater Day. And uh, I did see some people in ugly Christmas sweaters today on my way into work. I, how did this become a thing? And I'm not being rhetorical. I'm not being like Andy Rooney here. How did this become a thing? I, I genuinely don't know how this became a thing. Like, when did these become ugly? And, I mean, you can get them and uh, they come in themes now. I've seen some of my favorite bands sell, uh, like, their version of the ugly Christmas sweater. I've meant to jump on them, but I never have. But, I mean, we've all been to the ugly Christmas sweater party, right? Like, we've all done that. And uh, I'm just curious how that sort of came about. I don't know. Society's weird. My first thought was um, Christmas Vacation. Clark Griswold, like okay. he didn't have like the best sweaters. I feel like, or am I wrong? Am I just thinking, not thinking clearly about that? But I felt like you know maybe that it's got to be some culture reference. It, maybe it started that way, and then it just sort of took on a, a life of its own. If you know the answer to this, five zero three four one seven seventy five seventy five, you can tweet at me as well at Peter Sampson. Do you own Stephen Vaughn an ugly Christmas sweater? Uh, not, I, not the, like, not an actual ugly one. I do have a sweater that's, it's not the best of looking, but it's not like one of the classic ugly ones. Like multi-pattern, yeah. weird colors. Yeah. But I usually don't wear it because I run so hot that I just start sweating so bad. Like, I, I like the look of a sweater. I think I could actually pull it off, but I just get so hot. I just, I can't do it. I could see that. I, I believe that you run, man, I've seen you in pants once. I know. I <laughs> and no, I don't mean that Stephen Vaughn is is uh, working in the nude right now. That yeah, you I know mean, of. <laughs> that I know of. It is still business hours. We're not full on casual Fridays. <laughs> that that's full cash, bro. But uh, no, Stephen, you're you're a basketball shorts guy. You yeah. wear you wear your shorts. I got basketball shorts. I go sweat shorts a lot. Uh, yeah, those that's my style. I I wore jeans because I have to sometimes, and I don't like it. Like I'm wearing joggers right now. Like I mean, those are those sweatpants. So yeah, I feel you. That's what I go with. I, I'm a jeans guy. I have many different colors of jeans, but but I I do. Uh, it's jeans and a t-shirt because, I mean, again, I have a lot of nicer stuff, but like no one can see us. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but so I, I like. But you look good in jeans is a thing. Like, I feel like I, I don't, look good in everything, bro. It's true. Well, that's true. <laughs> well, of course. But like, I feel like I don't look good in jeans. That's my problem. Maybe uh, maybe I'm just being too harsh on myself. I think you're. Yeah, I think you look just fine, sir. Hey, thank I you. do. Yeah, thank you're you. a very handsome fella. Every once in a while, I like to show up in a suit, though. You know why? Because it, it makes people think that maybe you have a jo- uh, job interview. <laughs> just every once in a while. Once a quarter. I just show up in a suit. You got to make sure the bosses are in, though. Yeah. Hey, man, you're looking nice. What's going on? What's the occasion? Nothing. Nothing. Don't worry about it. Just trying to class this dump up. That's what I say. Ha, 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 ha. But deep in the mind. Oh, man. Is he is is he talking to other people? Is, is he? Is he having conversations? I do that. In fact, I'm due, I'm due to wear a suit here to work. It's been a minute. Uh, maybe, ne- maybe next week. Maybe post-Christmas. Post Christmas, I think. But I'm, it, I'm sorry. It's 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 a winning strategy. I live my life with a lot of like I'm not a rigid guy. I I know Kim can vouch for this. I'm so go with the flow to the point that I think sometimes it drives her crazy. Not in a bad way at all. But she's very uh, she's very type A. She is, and I, which is good for me because I am I'm a type. I'm not type B, C, D, or E. Man, I am off the alphabet. I'm into the Greek alphabet. I'm like type Zeta, and. Uh, I can just take it as it comes. And uh, 
but I do, despite my uh, my uh, live and let live attitude, I do have these sort of firm rules that I live by, and that is one of them. Every, every t- 10, 12 weeks or, or so, just show up with the hair looking good, nice fresh sa- uh, shave, nice crisp suit with a tie, and then just don't explain why you're wearing it. I'm telling you, man, it works wonders. Yeah, you got to do that when you're negotiating, too. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Or even pre-negotiating. pre-negotiating. Like, negotiations are coming up in three to four weeks. That's the window. So next week, I'm going to look really nice. Maybe even say, hey, man, can I get out? I got to get out at uh at 4 o'clock. Uh, any reason? No, I just got something going on. I'll make up the hour. Yeah, it's very, very vague. No, mm-hmm. no details. Yeah. And yeah. this, and this has nothing to do with this. I used to, I, I do that wherever I work, even completely out of this industry. Uh, I would just be in working in generic uh, business office, doing generic business things, wasting my life away under fluorescent lights. You know, mining data into Excel, and I would still do that. It's just, it's, it's one of the rules I live by. The other one is, uh, I always, uh. You know, you get requests personally and professionally, just in minor stuff. Hey, can you do this for me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like every 10th one, I just say no. Can I do it? Yeah, it's no big deal. But I can't set that uh, that expectation. You can't let people treat you like a doormat. So, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. No, can't do that. Sorry. Just keep them on their toes. Is that crazy? No. I think you <laughs> you got to keep them on your toes. I, I like, because you might, you, that's the one thing. I don't like... I, I like to be myself, right? You got to mm-hmm. be one of one. Mm-hmm. You can't be just given into norms. And so, you know, and you are definitely not that person. Like, you do not fall in norms. You are your, your unique, your own person. I love that about you. And uh, so, yeah, I expect nothing else out of you than that because I want to I'm not, I'm never on my, never on top of my game with you. Like, you always keep me on my toes, man. Sure, sure. Well, I'll just tell you now. Next time you ask me if you need something, I got you. The time after that, no, no. It's I'm not, not, it's not the personal, re- it's just I'll, it's time. I'm going to be ready for it, though. I'm gonna be like, you know what? I'm just keep asking and knowing at some point, like, he's not going to say yes. He's gonna no. Say no. <laughs> no, dude, I'm good. By the way, I do have to tell you, you got me feeling guilty right now. Oh, I'll, t- I'll tell you why. I got your lovely Christmas card oh. in the mail. Yeah. I didn't do Christmas cards this year. Mm. So I received a Christmas card. Thank you. It's a beautiful photo of your family. Thank you. I got nothing coming back. Nothing. That's okay. Not one thing. I, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't know about Christmas cards until I got older and had kids, and then my yeah. wife started doing them, and I really like doing them. I think they're kind of fun. I think they're fun to send out. So I like to send them out to, you know, all my friends out there, yeah. all my peeps. It, it was a great photo. Now I do appreciate, and maybe I just wasn't included in this, but I do appreciate I didn't get the like the family newsletter. Do you do that too? No, yeah. no, yeah. I'm not down with that. No, that's too much for me. I, I don't really want you to know what's going on in the family. Just you know, hey, we're alive, we're well, we're doing good. This is what they look like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, what do you put like, you know, grinding away at work? Everything is sort of the same. We the, kn- we know that you're just gonna throw it away. Like that's exactly. like I, I know that I'm not offended. I, I know you're gonna throw the Christmas card away at some point too. Like it's not a big deal. You yeah. can throw it away right at the start as soon as you get it. I don't care. I'm not offended. I've got it up next to the tree with the uh, the other handful that we received. But yeah, no newsletter. Thank goodness. Yeah. So and so mine would be like you know. Yeah, cat's not using the kittens refusing to use her litter box. It's a disaster. Uh, just grinding through the day. Every day is sort of the same. You can take that or leave that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kid is, uh, you know, struggling through school. I'm just kidding. He's a genius. But, uh, you know, he's he's struggling to uh, do whatever. We should have real family newsletters. We not, should start doing that for not Christmas. Not the fake stuff. Oh, man, my son really got on my nerves the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he just won't shut up. He won't shut up at all. He's about to go on the naughty list now.
Yeah, it's not even him. It's me. I'm questioning whether I even should have done this to begin with, but now I'm trapped. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but some people, like, I think that would be a fun newsletter to send, even, even if you don't mean it. I think that might surprise some people if they get that, just the brutally honest family update. It would at least, like, uh, it'd be a great, you know, icebreaker, right? Like, yeah. you and your significant other, whoever you're with, like, it'd be something to talk about. At the dinner table, they're like, hey, did you read Peter's, Peter's card this year? Yeah. yeah he's really uh, sucking at life right now. Yeah, we got so-and-so. Did you see so-and-so's new le- newsletter? Yeah, her and her husband are fighting a lot. She put that in there, arguing about money. <laughs> they thought about divorce. Yeah, they? they're debating it. They're hoping hoping for a conscious uh, separation, a conscious uncoupling, but they're afraid that uh, their, their friends will think that's weird and it shouldn't be a consideration, but it sort of is. And, you know, that's just how it is in modern society when everyone's Overconnected, so the husband uh, has a gambling problem, lost all their money. <laughs> exactly, he's betting the ponies too much, and uh, I think there's more than what I'm aware of. You know, I, I keep looking at the bank statements and they don't add up. And I know he goes to the casino, and frankly, I'm okay with that because even though he doesn't make much money, he works hard to support us. But I just, you know, sometimes he says he's late at work, but I call his direct line and it goes straight to voicemail and it just doesn't make sense. But and if we're being honest, I certainly don't think he's having an affair because, I mean, if we're just being real, he's like a four. But something's not adding up. But his secretary answers my questions weird. I don't know. (laughs) Merry Christmas, everybody. (laughs) I do want to find out about the ugly sweater, where that did come from, though. Um, Have you ever done, have you ever worked in like an office or anything like that? Have you managed to avoid that most of your life? Uh, I have managed to avoid that most of my life, I'll be honest. My man. Yeah. Good. So I've never really, I've never attended like an office Christmas party before. Yeah, it's sometimes it's it's like that. I don't know what it is about businesses that think like, hey, you can wear jeans on Friday, or even worse is when they somehow you can earn jeans on Friday. You uh, you can just take that and just turn around with it. I don't need that at all. Or it's Hawaiian shirt day, or it's ugly Christmas sweater, you know, themed office party. We had an office party here. I, I actually don't go every year. I'll tell I'll tell you, I did one. And I don't think they're like this anymore. But uh, back in the day, I worked here like a decade ago. It was my first job in radio, and I was in sales. And I loved it because, I mean, you all know how sales is. And I was kind of concerned it was going to be like that here. And then it turned out, oh, we're just like literally helping our clients. And it works, and it's awesome. And I enjoyed it. I wasn't very good at it, but I did enjoy it. But uh, I was new in December. In the year that I joined, and we had our office party, and it was really cool. It was at the Pittock Mansion, but then I, uh, so I don't know anybody, like anybody. I know my boss, you know what I mean? And I go to this thing, and I'll tell you, uh, that was where I learned people in radio, they, they can party a little bit. It wasn't irresponsible, but you ever been to a party where you don't know anybody, and everyone's going hard, and you're just kind of there? Yeah, because, you know, this is teachers. Teachers like to party, too. I feel like you mm. know, radio people like to party, but teachers, you know, they're dealing they with... They need to. Yeah, they're dealing with kids all the time. So, like, you know, my wife being a teacher, I've been to some teacher parties, and it's like, I know absolutely nobody here except for my wife, and they are just getting crazy right now. Like, and, and it's just funny because it's like, when I was a kid, it's like, I never thought my teachers would be doing that. It's just like, you just think they go to school, they teach, and then they go home, and they just, like, read books. But no, <laughs> they, they party. So, yeah, I, I've been in that situation. Yeah, I never suspected that either when I was a kid. I remember, I mean, 
when you're a kid, though, it trips you out if you even see him like in the grocery store. Yeah. And you're just like, hi. Like he's not Bigfoot. Yeah, exactly. I thought you lived at school. That's so bizarre. It's one of the the strange things about childhood when you run into your teacher, like in the the chilled beverages aisle as well. You know, you're with your mom getting some OJ, and she's grabbing a thirty pack of Tecate or something like that. What is Friday? <laughs> Let's do it. I got to grade you little you know what's essays all weekend anyway. I yeah, I got to read a bunch of papers. What do you think I do that sober? Oh my gosh, I couldn't. I could never do that. I have so much respect for teachers, so much because I mean I've seen the quality of work. And it's very, very, uh, uh, it, 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 it would be frustrating. One thing I know about myself, I am not a natural teacher. Like back in the business world, like training new hires, you know, when you have like onboarding and it lasts a couple weeks and I'd have to go in and speak on my department and train people on systems and all that. And it's, it's totally reasonable. Hi, you're brand new. You know nothing about this. That can't be held against you. I would still get frustrated with it. And that's when I realized, like, that's a me problem. That's not a them problem. That's me. I'm just not meant to do that. Yeah, like, everyone thought I'd be a coach growing up. And it's like yeah. I coached, uh, you know, at my at my college when I had, like, a half a year left so they'd pay my scholarship. And mm. it's like it was not for me. Like, I just could not do it because it's like I just wanted to tell the kids, like, hey, do what I would do and make the right play. And it's like, that, does, that doesn't work. Like, you can't just tell to do the right thing. You got to tell them what the right thing is and how do you do it. It's like, I couldn't, I just couldn't communicate. It's hard them. to convey. It's like when Magic Johnson coached the Lakers. Like, remember when he coached them for, yeah. it didn't last long. And he comes out and he's like, okay, so this is the set we're going to run. You bring the ball and then do showtime. Uh, just, play, just play like me. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, play like me, you know, and me and Kareem and Worthy and Byron Scott. Man, we made it work. Why can't you? Well, it turns out maybe it's about communication and understanding each individual limitation. But uh, I just I just couldn't do it. But I am thinking back, despite my inability of training, I'm thinking back to uh, in the office doing the lame Christmas sweater themed party. And I... Uh, I just wonder, is it some sort of, is it because office parties aren't fun? Because you have to, you have to behave yourself. And there's always someone every year that goes a little overboard and maybe, and I don't mean like they get way, way off the chain, but maybe they just, they have a little too much to drink and they say something they shouldn't, they embarrass themselves, they stick their foot in their mouth. I mean, maybe they get crazy, but when you're working a boring job, that's the kind of stuff that, I mean, it, it gets you through the holiday season, gossiping about that. But because that's not that exciting, I mean, why do we do this? Do we think it's going to be fun? Is it a reward for employees? That's not a reward. Go buy an ugly sweater now. What, I got to buy something? Can I wear my work uniform? <laughs> it's got to be a reward, I guess, right? Like, technically. Because, like, I guess they're probably providing you food and drinks, maybe. Yeah. So they can, like, technically write it off. It's a write-off. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely it's what right it enough. is. Yeah, exactly. What I always want, man, is just like, however much booze you are expecting me to consume, can you just write me a check for it and buy a little bit less? Like, let's say I'm going to drink $25 worth of liquor. Just just give me the 25 bucks. Just do that instead. I don't need to come. I'm down. Yeah, let's do it, man. I, I just can't get down. I can't get down with the holiday party. Kim had a work holiday party yesterday, and... uh 
Normally, I get invited to those sort of things. Didn't even get the invite, and I was good with it. I wasn't even like, man, why didn't you invite me? Because, I mean, and I, you know how sometimes it's like I would have said no, but I wanted the invite because that's the play thing. This was not the case here. I just had no interest in going. I'm giving props on Kim on that one because she knew. She knew that you didn't want to go. So she's like, I'm not going to bother him with it. Like, I don't want to have to be declined. Like, yeah. I'm just not even going to invite you. I think that, that. I give her props. Yeah, I think that might be what it is. And oftentimes it's, hey, do you want to go to blah, blah, blah. Not really. You know, I figured I just wanted to throw the invite out. Yeah, cool. I, yeah. I, I love when they're like, yeah, uh, we're going to do this. You don't have to come if you don't want to. Like, that's a whole thing of like, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know I don't want to go. I'm not going. I just wasn't feeling social. I had the, I, I had the last two days off. I'm trying to burn through my, uh, my, my uh, PTO before the end of the year. So I took two days off yesterday. I wasn't feeling social. Someone someone from her work had to drop off like some supplies or something. She works from home. And it was no big deal. Just going to pop in, drop these off I, right upstairs. I don't even want to meet meet this person. It's nothing personal against them. They sound great. I just don't want to see another human right now. Yeah. I'm not working right now. Yeah, exactly. I, I am, I'm sitting in sweatpants and I'm zoning out. I wasn't like doing anything. I wasn't getting interrupted. I wasn't watching a movie. I wasn't playing video games. I was just like staring at something. I don't even know. Staring at the wall, staring at the couch, staring at the cat. But as soon as someone's coming over, uh, I'm out. I'm out upstairs. No way. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think that's the nature of this job. It's it's very interesting because this is a very public facing job. You know what I mean? Like like we're we're speaking and you, wherever you're listening, you're, it's, you're essentially eavesdropping on a conversation. It's really cool. It's why radio is the best. But also, at the same time, it's very solitary because I can see you. You can see me. But that's kind of it. Like, we're just sort of here. Is anyone out there? Yeah, exactly. And you know they are. But it, it, So it's, it's interesting because here we are. We're all having this conversation together while you're going about your day. You're driving around. Maybe you're you know stuck at work. You're pretending to work for the last 40 minutes before you can get out, got your earbuds in, whatever it is. It's a very communal thing. But at the same time, I'm just in a little room with a bunch of equipment and a microphone just sort of talking, just talking. Talking so, into the ether. So I think that's sort of uh, it's contributed to my... Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say antisocial because there's a lot of negative connotations with that, but uh, introversion. I mean, like, I'm not a very talkative person outside of, like, the radio. Like, I got takes. I got sports takes. But outside mm. of that, like, you get me in a one-on-one situation, like, I'm pretty quiet. Like, I'm going to just read the room and not talk very much. Like, it, 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 I get you. I get you in this. Mine goes both ways. I got to be in the mood. And a lot of times I'm super quiet. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah I got nothing to say, man. I'm tired. I'm good. <laughs> and But if you catch me on the right day or even the right hour, I'll talk your ear off. And I think what that does is that sets expectations. Mm. And I know I'm I'm really up and up and down. I'm doing the wave motion with my hand right now. I'm very up and down with that. It doesn't mean I'm, you know, mad or cranky or grumpy or anything like that. It's just sometimes sometimes I'm social, sometimes I'm not. And it just depends. I don't even know what it depends on. If I knew, maybe I could control it a little bit better when it's expected, like, hey man, I gotta be out, I gotta be social. So I it's just it's just a roll of the dice. It's also tough because when you're on the like you gotta be on when you're on air right now. Like you can't just be, you know, down and out. Even if you're tired or you're not feeling it, like doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You gotta be on. So you gotta put on the show. When you're doing this, so it's like a lot of times when you're not on your game, like you're like, you know what, I just want to sit here in the quiet. I think th- I think you might have hit on something there. That's true. So as you know, I have a little bit of gap uh, in my day. I work in the morning. I get everything prepared. I do my job. And then oftentimes, not always, but I'll have this little like kind of two, two and a half hour gap. And uh, I'm just sort of free to do whatever. And oftentimes I'll go home. 
and I will just go upstairs and I will turn off all, you know, I put my phone away, not have headphones on, and I will just zone out for a good 20 to 25 minutes. I will do nothing. And then, all right, let's go host a show. And I'm not like mentally preparing. I already have all my prep work done. I did it in the morning. I, I was thinking about it the night before. You know, you're always kind of thinking about how things translate uh, to the show. But I just got to kind of empty my head. I got to get that introversion out and recharge before I can then just kind of into the microphone for four hours. Because you dive, you dive head first every time. You're going in. You got to go in strong, man. <laughs> that must be what it is. That must be what it is. All right. I'm still looking for an answer, man. Where do the ugly sweaters come from? 503-417-7575. We'll go away. Come back on the other side. Let's talk some more NFL Seahawks, if they're going to turn things around in time to make the playoffs, they're going to have to do it without one of their key players. We'll talk about that next. I'm Peter Sampson in for Gonzano's The Bald Face Truth. Back to The Bald Face Truth with John Gonzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back in. Peter Sampson in for JC. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. Well, if the Seahawks are going to turn things around in time to make the playoffs, they're probably going to have to do it without Tyler Lockett. The receiver broke a bone in his index finger late in the team's 21-13 loss to the 49ers last night. I believe he's going to have hand surgery. Uh maybe with the hope of returning at some point this season. I know Pete Carroll said there's a couple different ways that they can do it. One of the ways does give him a chance to be back. Brought up Rashad Penny, who had a similar injury, so they've already kind of floated that. Uh, The Seahawks also lost nose tackle uh, Brian Moan to what uh, was called a significant ACL injury. So without Lockett... Uh, without their nose tackle. Can the Seahawks turn things around, or were they a nice story that is now meeting reality? Seems like it's a nice story to meet reality to me. Losing four or five, and including two of those losses, both at home, one to the Raiders, one to the Panthers, two below-average teams. The offense just hasn't looked as good lately. And I said yesterday, Peter, we were talking to Judah about this, you know, Judah, big Seahawks fan. I said this was a big money game for Geno Smith. Like, if he would have played really well against the 49ers defense, which is the best in the league, in my opinion. If he played well, he could have made a lot of money in the offseason. And he did not play very well. That 49ers defense just shut down the Seahawks all night. I think the Seahawks are falling back down to earth a little bit. But, you know, the thing is, is they got out to such a good start. They still can make the playoffs 7-7. Seven and seven. You know, they got to outplay the Giants or the Commanders. Those two tied, which I think could come back to hurt. But Seattle, they got a tough schedule still. They're uh, at Kansas City next week. Then they're at home against the Jets, who have a good defense. Then they're taking on the Rams, which probably should be a win. But they're taking on two potential playoff teams. I think that you know, I think the run is a little bit over for Seattle. I hope not. I hope they can sneak in, but uh, really feels that way to me is that the offense just has been struggling a little too much lately. Geno falling back down a little bit. Yeah, it's been a fun story, and you're right. The 49ers defense, I mean, just swarmed him all night. Obviously, uh, the Niners are celebrating. They clinched the NFC West. It's the first time they've done that since 2019. Uh, Obviously, the Niners never even trailed in this game. Seattle did pull within eight. Uh, I think there was about three and a half left in the fourth quarter. But Kyle Shanahan's offense ran out the clock. They won their seventh straight. And uh, Brock Purdy, first road start of his career, completed 17-26, to 
217 yards, two touchdowns. He looked good. And, uh, man, I have a few questions here. I mean, first of all, Brock Purdy, I mean, (laughs) sample size is very small. He's looked very good. Of course, you know, Trey Lance hurt, Jimmy Garoppolo hurt. Now you might have – Purdy is showing that he's got something. You legit might have three actual quarterbacks on this roster. you got to make a decision there. If you're the Niners, what are you thinking? And also, look, just in general, the Niners clinch. Now that teams are starting to clinch, uh, Philly is clinched. Uh, the Niners have as well. What do, what do your Super Bowl picks look like, Steven? Yeah, that's tough, man. Um, For me, in the NFC, I actually think the Cowboys are the best team in the NFC. But I don't trust I don't trust Mike McCarthy yeah. um, as, the, as the coach. So, um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll pick the Cowboys because I think that they're the best team in the NFC. So I'll go with them. Um, and in the AFC, I think it's Buffalo. I think Buffalo has been the best team all season long. They have the most talent. They're going to get healthy-ish coming back um, You know, with all their guys coming back. I think the weather has just been so weird up in Buffalo. Yeah. It always is. But you know, making them have to play in Detroit, I think it's just been a weird spot. I think Buffalo is the best team in the NFL. I would pick them to uh, win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, that's basically where I'm at in the AFC. I, I I think Buffalo. It's 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 not a landslide, but it's not even particularly close for me. In the NFC, it, it's got to be Philly or Dallas for me. Again, you know, I mean San Francisco. Their defense is so good. We've seen Brock Purdy perform for two games now. He's look. It's just not a big enough sample size for me to trust that he can get it done in the postseason yet. Because you know he's gonna have to make a throw. At some right. point, right? Like the 49ers, the thing about it is they they won that game and they dominated the game. But they had they gave the Seahawks some chances to get right back into the ball game, and Seattle did not take advantage of it. Brock Purdy threw that uh the terrible pass right at the end of the second quarter, should have been intercepted, mm-hmm. dropped. Seattle gets the ball back. They fumble and then San Francisco scores and gets the ball back. Like if that's picked off, the game at the worst is probably seven six heading to halftime. Like the 49ers gave them chances. I'm just I cannot trust Brock Purdy right now to make a throw. So I think once a team in the playoffs gets up on the 49ers and he has to face real adversity, that's when we're going to see what he's really made of. And maybe he's got it. I, I just don't think that he does. Yeah, it, it definitely remains to be seen. But it's interesting if he continues playing how he has now, which has been good, not great, good enough, right? But if he continues to do this, you have Purdy. In theory, you have Garoppolo. I mean, obviously not long-term, but you do have him. And then, of course, you have Trey Lance coming back. I mean, if you're the 49ers, the obvious decision is assuming health with Trey Lance. You know, you already tried to turn the reins over to him once, but you got to make some decisions in that quarterback room. I was going to ask you, you have to, you're the general manager. You're John Lynch of the 49ers. You have to rank those quarterbacks of who you want to build around. Trey Lance, Jimmy G., Brock Purdy, what's your order? Uh, I mean, it's got to be Lance Purdy, Jimmy G, right? I mean, Jimmy G has played well, but I mean, they... But they can win with Purdy, though. That's the exactly, thing. exactly. Like, and he's a lot cheaper. Yeah. So he's cheaper. He's younger. I mean, he's still in that phase of his career where he's he's like Ringo Starr. I'm just happy to be here. You know, so like that's the guy you want. And you can get off Jimmy G and you can spend that salary somewhere else for a couple years, you know, before inevitably assuming Trey Lance does pop how he's expected to by many before you got to give him that contract. I mean, it's a good problem to have if you're the 49ers. They're, they're sitting pretty. And that team is just so talented everywhere else is the thing it's like if they had a you know imagine putting like a justin herbert you know you talked about the social media quarterback imagine putting him with the four netters offense like that thing would be humming oh with all those guys they got in that defense is so just brutal just so good and they just are so physical i mean they might do it with brock purdy that's how good they really are
what a story that would be. I mean, Mr. Mr. Irrelevant, Irrelevant, the big uh, Brock, uh, the the last dude picked coming in. And, I mean, they don't even have to win at all for it to be a great story. If they just go deep a little bit in the playoffs and get something done, he wins a big-time game. They get to an NFC championship, even if they don't advance. That's an amazing story. That's so cool. But doesn't it just go to show, again, like, situation is so important to every single athlete in every sport. Like, think about just, you know, if Stephen Curry got traded to the Bucks instead of Monte Ellis, which was always supposedly a or thing. If, or if Minnesota took him instead of Johnny Flynn. Yeah, and Ricky Rubio. Exactly. Like, yeah. is Steph out of the league? Probably yeah. not. But, like, he's not as good as he is now. You know, Brock Purdy, if he goes to the Raiders, he never would have a chance to play. But, like, he's on the 49ers, who are the most talented team. And now look at him. Like, he's looking at he could win a Super Bowl as yeah. Mr. Irrelevant. Like, it is it is crazy how, you know, just how lucky you can get to be put in a good situation. Yeah. I mean, and look, it's not to discount the fact that he's worked his entire life to get to this point. But so much of it, I think we downplay how much of our success, and this isn't just in sports, honestly comes down to luck. There's yeah. a lot of talented people out there, a lot of talented dudes out there. And some of it is luck. And it sounds like a cop out to say that, oh, well, I just wasn't lucky. Like, no, you have to put the work in. It's just there's a lot of people putting the work in. Some of them are good, but even the ones that are good, man, there's an element of fortune or luck, right circumstance, right fit, right opportunity. And just who you surround yourself with as well. Like, that's another big thing. I mean, even look at the University of Oregon, Bo Nix, like, basically ran out of Auburn, and now he was looked at as almost a Heisman contender. Now he may be going early in the draft if he gets a good draft grade may come back but like fans want him to come back yeah like they're not pushing him out they want him to come back and have another year so yeah it's just you know who you put yourself around is really important in sports but in life in general too that's very true 503-417-7575 on the other side talk about the nba has the nba gone too far i saw the nets got fined the heat got fined a little bit ago uh the heat are being very very petty uh, today uh, regarding a fine that they got. I want to talk about that next. Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. It's the BFT. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Still one of the best riffs of the 90s. Welcome back. Peter Sampson in for JC. This is the Bald Face Truth. Friday edition. Hope you're on your way home. I hope you cut out of work early. Got a great weekend planned. If you're in Portland, stay tuned after this show. You get me for another hour on the pulse. If you normally listen to that show, you know on Fridays at 6 p.m. I'll go ahead and crack an adult beverage, and we will celebrate the approach of the weekend together. Steven, you got big plans this weekend? What do you got going on? Uh, we got uh, just working. Bet the game 9 to 10 both weekend days, Saturday, Sunday. That's uh, about as far as I've gotten so far that I, that I can remember. Nice. Maybe uh, some Christmas shopping. Is there a pick? And we'll say, so on the Saturday show, are you are you doing picks for the bowl games? Yeah, so, you know, we'll be previewing the Oregon State game because we'll be on 9 and 10. The Beaver game starts at 1130, so we'll be, uh, me and Judah will be talking a lot about that Beaver game. 
Yeah, if you can, and I understand if you can't, can you tease one college pick? Does not have to be Oregon State. You got to listen live to get that. Uh, can you tease one college pick and one NFL pick from this weekend? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then of course, you know, there's the three Saturday games as well. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna start. I'll start with the NFL picks. Uh, the Colts are in Minnesota. We talked about the Minnesota Vikings and how are they good or are they not good? Uh, they play the Colts. They're three and a half point favorites at home, which is very, very little, uh, especially considering the home field advantage for the Minnesota Vikings. I like the Colts in this one. I like the Colts to cover okay. that game, basically just because of uh, that line smells really bad. I just, I just, I just can't take it. And so uh, I'm not going to be on the Vikings. I will be on the Colts in that one. Um, for the college football, yeah, you know, the Beavs, this this bowl game, I'll talk about that a little bit. You know, they play, take it on Florida. That game was up to 10 earlier this week. It's down to nine. A little bit of action coming in on Florida. Okay. Billy Napier, uh, last uh, 23, 22 games. I had to do math in my head. 22 games against the spread as an underdog. 17-4-1, I believe, mm. against the spread. He's been a really good underdog coach. Uh, but having said that, I do think Oregon State's going to get the cover in this one. I think Oregon State has a lot to play for. And at some point, Peter, like, I just got to believe my eyes. And I've seen Oregon State's defense dominate USC. They played really well against Oregon in that fourth quarter. For Florida to have a brand-new quarterback, never taking a snap, his first game's going to go against that tough Beaver defense. I think Oregon State can put it on Florida. They went by 10-plus. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. The, I mean, the bottom line is not only is Florida not going to have their quarterback, uh, Anthony Richardson, opting out, then their second stringer got arrested on some horrific charges. Uh, is it Jack Kitna? Is that his first yeah, name, Jack? Yeah, uh, Jack. I think it was Jack, yeah. Jack. It's John Kitna's kid, I believe. Um, and so, yeah, and I'll tell you, Third string in college is a lot different. Like, that ain't Brock Purdy. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Now, he might have a good game, but going up against that Oregon State defense, that is a tough, tough situation to get your to get thrown into the fire. I just, and it's not just the quarterback position that they're missing. I mean, they're going to be light everywhere. I think the Beavers are really motivated. Uh, obviously, they're, they're going to be super active. You know, I mean, Coletto's playing, right? And yeah. They're, I, I, I like them to cover. The only guys that are confirmed out um, for the Beavs is Rajon Wright. He's mm-hmm. he's already opted out, but he's been hurt as well. So he, right. it's an injury type of thing, but he'll be playing in the Senior Bowl. Uh, Luke Musgrave hasn't played for so long. He'll be in the Senior Bowl, but he won't be playing as well. Uh, you know, John talked to Jane Grant after the Civil War game. He, he said he didn't know how he would feel. Obviously, he's been battling a lot of injuries, as he talked about on the show. So uh, still unknown there, but yeah, I mean, should be pretty healthy. And then Jack Miller the third, that's the quarterback mm. for Florida. You know, he's never taken a snap, but the thing about it is, is he's talented. He's a four-star recruit. He was the number 14 ranked quarterback at 24-7 sports when he came out of college or out of high school, committed to Ohio State, transferred to Florida. So, you know, the guy has some skills, right, that, that these high, that's, you know, these high Do- powers want. Does he? He hasn't, mean, he hasn't played. But he went to Ohio State and then Florida. Yeah. But I mean, that's got to be And couldn't even get on the field. That's, I mean, who knows? That's the thing. It's like we have literally no yeah. idea what you're going to do. So uh, for me, I just feel like that's going to be a tough spot for your first collegiate game to go against a Beaver team that is hungry to get that 10th win, man, for be the first time since 2006. So I do like the Beavers now. Yeah, that's going to be a great game to watch. That's what I will be doing this weekend. I might have a cigar this weekend. 11:30 a.m. kickoff. Yeah. I don't mind that. That's perfect. Yeah. No, I, I was just uh, I was just plinking around in the office, and my my humidor is on top of the bookshelf, and uh, I just glanced up at it. And I enjoy a good cigar, but not that often. Like I have a nice little collection. Nice, you know. I got some Padrones, some Olivas, you know, all the good stuff. But I just sort of get busy and forget about it. You know what I mean? I just saw that thing. I was like, man, I haven't had a cigar in like six months. 
humidor is still, you know, I'm at a perfect 67% humidity. Those things are aging. You know, they've all got a couple years age on them. I might fire one of those bad boys off and uh, enjoy the game from outside. Do you usually do that like a special celebration or just kind of random days? It's when the mood strikes me. I certainly do it more in the uh, summertime. Like I'm grilling a ribeye or especially if I'm like slow cooking, like if I, if I have ribs going on the on the grill, you know, but it's at 228 degrees, you know, so it's going to be a couple hours. I'll get out on the deck and spend nice 45 minutes out there. The cold is a little bit of a different story, uh, but if it's dry, I don't know if it's going to be. There's something about putting the gloves on and the heavy jacket and going out there and just doing it, getting some solitude. I always enjoy it, but then again, I just walk away and all of a sudden I go, man, it's been like six months. I got to get out there and enjoy these things. Well, yeah, I think you deserve it. I think you deserve it. You know, you got you got, you got some PTO this week. This is a real Peter week. This is a take care of yourself, self-care week. Treat yourself, yeah. as they say. Yeah, I, I do have another couple days that I got to burn. I don't know if I'm going to get them in next week. I think I only, I think I have... Like two days left, like 16 hours of PTO. Technically, it's 20. I'm not tripping on the four hours. You know, if I lose it, it's fine. I hope. Yeah, what's I the can rules get... on that? Does anyone know? This, uh, this is probably I, an HR question, but I, I'm asking on the air. Does anyone know? Uh, I have the answer for you. I'll tell you off the air. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but please, I, I do have the answer for you. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you got to take that time. It's important to uh, take that time for yourself. We're all so busy. And, I mean, I mean, you're a dad, too. I'm a dad. We're partners, and yet you're just constantly busy, man. Even if you can only take an hour for yourself, an hour of quiet, and, you know, for me, that might be a cigar. It might be totally something different, but, man, just having that solitude, just time to sit and think or even not think, it's it's really important. Just shut it down. Just shut down your entire brain. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it'll be fun. I think this weekend, you know, and, and this weekend's not like a too crazy weekend. Yeah, there's football games mm. on Saturday and Sunday, but... Uh, you know, Saturday, I think really the only game you need to necessarily watch the Beave game. I think that's important. Same. But after that, it's like all oh, those other bowl games are just bowl games. Don't really matter. Then the NFL, I mean, uh, you know, whatever. There's not that many like super great games this Sunday either. So, um, you know, I, uh, you know, tune in to bet the game on 750 game, though, of course, obviously locally here, 9 to 10. We get out my thoughts, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be a real low key weekend, I think, for me, Peter. Nice. Well, I'll make sure to listen both yeah. days. I, uh, I'll be honest. Sometimes on the in on the weekends, I, uh, I might not get out of bed until nine, maybe nine fifteen. I like to. I don't know about you. I always have to lay in bed for like 20 minutes before I get up. I wake up and I'm up, and I have to psych myself into being like, okay, let's go. Well, what time does your son wake up? Does he does he wake you up if he's there? Just in the last couple months, he's gotten old enough that he can, at least for a little bit, sort of take care of himself. Okay. Not extensively. Yeah. You know, it's not like he's making bacon and eggs or something <laughs> like that. But he can sort of uh, get up and do what he needs to do. Now, I certainly couldn't, you know, sleep until real late or anything. But say I get up at, uh, I'm thinking of a weekend day. Uh, I can go ahead and sleep until... 8.30 and get up at 8.45, maybe 9 o'clock. And he's already up and kind of doing his thing. He might be, you know, watching yeah. YouTube or something like that. Yeah, I mean, if I didn't have kids or a family, I mean, I could sleep until like 11.30 every day. Man, during the pandemic, uh, like the peak pandemic, lockdown. Yeah, yeah. It took all of two weeks until I was staying up until 5 in the morning. No joke. I did not like it. But that's how I am naturally. And being a parent has completely changed that, you know, being an adult and having all the responsibilities. But if we just, if we didn't live in society, you know, we were just sort of 
existing, I would absolutely uh, stay up until the sun starts to come up. I do think about that. Not that I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I love my life. I love my family, love my kids. But I always think about sometimes if I was just single, just by myself, like what would my schedule be like with working and everything? I'm pretty sure I'd go to bed at like 5 a.m. every day. Yeah, it's it's easy to do. And yeah. the thing is, and I, I stay up too late every night. Now, for me, too late is like 11.30. I, I get a lot of sleep. But I go, I go to bed 9 o'clock. I'm in bed at 9. Now, mm. I stay up until 11, 11.30. I just plink around. I'm on yeah. my phone. I'm reading Reddit, you know, reading a book, whatever I'm doing. Uh, but again, uh, if I was on vacation long enough, like say I took a legit two weeks off, by uh, nine days into that two weeks, I would be up until, we'll say, three in the morning. And then you'd have to adjust when you come back. It's going to be the worst. It's the wor- the, what's the worst is, again, my kid's old enough now, but it's when they're younger. Mm. And if you get off on your sleep or, like, when you're sick, like, if you're sick and you have a toddler, like, they understand, but they forget every 90 seconds. They're like, you know, I'm sorry. You don't feel good. I'll be good, Dad. And then they go play. And then 90 seconds later, two minutes later, they're like, Dad, I need this. this. And they can't really explain, like, what's wrong with exactly. them. Exactly. Oh, it's like, you just got to guess. It's the worst. It, yeah, it's That dumb. is the absolute. I just kind of went through that with my kids. They've been battling some sickness, man. It's, uh, yeah, was not fun. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But it is great when they reach that age where they're just, they're at least a little bit independent. My kid is, he is not an independent kid, really. But, again, he's at that age. He's almost nine where he can sort of sort of live life a little bit. If I go too long, though, he's going to be like, Dad, what the hell? Like, yeah. what are you doing? Hang but out. Yeah, let's do it. But uh, he can at least, he doesn't have to get me up at 5.30 in the morning. That used to be the bane of my existence. And I loved, I loved spending the time with him, but not that early. Like, summertime, you know, when he's like four years old, it'd be like 5.15 in the morning, and I would just hear him, like crowing like a rooster. It's morning time. Oh my gosh. I just got to sleep at midnight. You're getting me up. I can't do it. Very, very difficult. So we've reached an understanding and that's the important thing. All right. We'll go away. Come back on the other side. I do need to talk about this uh, NBA issue. The Miami Heat being petty. I'll tell you what I mean next. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back in Peter Sampson in for JC. It's the bald face truth. The Brooklyn Nets being fined $25,000 for, quote, failure to comply with league policies governing injury reporting. The league made the announcement yesterday. They did not specify why the Nets were fined, but I can tell you why. Because last Saturday night against the Pacers, the Nets sat eight players, eight rotation players. And uh, that included Kyrie, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons. And, of course, the league hates this because fans purchase tickets for the game expecting to see those stars, and they feel shortchanged. And this, this comes up every year from someone, of course, Greg Popovich back in the day with Duncan and Manu and Tony Parker was sort of the originator of this. I dealt with this once when I was a season ticket holder, I gave one of my employees. She was a huge Spurs fan. Uh, she didn't have a ton of money. And I said, here, you and your husband go to the Spurs game. Enjoy. And Oh my gosh, thank you so much. And she gets in my seats and then the three stars rest day. So, well, I hope you had fun. So the Nets, decided to rest anyone. And this was the second of a back-to-back. I get why fans are upset 
It's just the way of the league. But, I mean, ultimately, if teams can get fined for this, there needs to be some sort of understanding or a rule or something where the league and the teams, the coaches, the training staffs can sort of come to a middle ground here. Yeah, it is. It's one of those questions because it's like we know there's there's facts and science around it where in the NBA it's beneficial to not play every game and it's beneficial to not play you know 40 plus minutes a night. So at some point, like they're going to have to take days off. But at the same time, like it's not necessarily on a schedule. It's like spur of the moment type thing. So it's so hard to like be completely 100 percent accurate with your injury report. I don't know, man. It's just kind of a little pettiness out of all these out of all the league, the teams, everybody. But, you know. That's the NBA for you. And the Drama. Re- yeah, and the the real answer is they need to shorten the season to like 66 games, but they're never going to give up that re- revenue, ever. The The players won't do it, even though there would probably be more support from the players than the owners. The owners, absolutely not. And already, I mean, I love the idea of a midseason tournament, but, I mean, they're looking to add, not subtract. Now, there is a team that has taken this to the extreme That's going to be part of the 5 at 5, which is coming up in about 90 seconds. You're not going to want to miss this. This is hilarious to me, what the Miami Heat are doing. It's all part of the 5 at 5, hour number two in the books. We will be back in just a minute. You're not going to want to miss that. I've got the 5 at 5. I've got uh, Steph Curry news. Of course, we'll talk about the Beavers in the Vegas Bowl. B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights. In for John Canzano, here's Peter Sampson with the bald faced truth. Final hour of the BFT. I am Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. I've had a lot of fun this week filling in. Of course, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, you had Judah Newby in the seat. I listened to uh, Judy and you, Stephen, on yesterday's show. It was great. And uh, it's always a pleasure to keep the seat warm for JC while he takes his well-deserved time off at the end of the year. We're all gearing up towards Christmas, trying to get time off, getting all the holiday plans in order. I hope your shopping is done. Is your shopping done, Mr. Vaughn? No. Is it started? Uh, maybe in a little bit. Not, not a lot. Do you like one thing? Do you at least know some of the gifts that you're getting? You just haven't grabbed them yet. Yeah, I guess. I guess you could say that. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I'm not fully unprepared, but I'm definitely not prepared. I'm going to be honest. I did really well this Christmas. I, I did well. Kim is difficult to shop for. And it's not a bad thing. It's She's a successful professional. She has everything she needs. There you go. And... I mean, that's a good thing, yeah. it, but it, really is, yeah. it makes it very difficult. And me, I'm easy I'm because I have a million hobbies and I, I'm really into my hobbies. So on any given day, you know, I'm, I'm making music or I'm painting or I'm reading and all these different things that I can get really into. I, I'm playing video games. Now, me personally, Stephen, you remember how hyped I was when I got a PS5 a few months ago? I do. That was my Christmas present. Mm. So I demanded. I said, that's fine. I demand something tiny just so I can open something. It can, it can literally cost a dollar. I just want something to open. Uh, but I did really well uh, giving gifts to my kiddo and Kim. I'm not going to say what they are because there's a good chance they're both listening. My son, has. Uh, I got him a portable radio. He wants to listen to the show. So he might be listening right now. So I'm not going to say. But uh, I'm just going to say I killed it. 
this year. I did. And uh, I still have a few things coming, but I like to take care of it early because I've been caught before where all of a sudden, oh, man, it's like December 23rd, and I've been meaning to do this, and I even know what I want. Let's go to the mall or Best Buy or whatever it is. Oh, you're sold out of that because it's Christmas week? I'm shocked. And then I'm in a pinch. I've gotten my way out of it, but it's stressful, man. I, uh, I've i definitely been in that position as well. Usually my wife will do a lot of the shopping for me, um, and then she'll usually tell me. So I, I don't think she's done it this year. She hasn't told me if she got, got anything from oh, no. me, so I, I don't know. I need to probably check in, but I know I need to get a few things. Uh, you know, for her and for the kids. So, uh, you know, I'm always mentally taking notes, but I, I don't know for sure. But I'll, I'll be ready. I got you. What are your kids hoping for this year? Uh, so, the oldest one, he's really into basketball lately. Yeah. Like, he's really started to get into the NBA, which is awesome. Like, I love it. And he's starting to love the Blazers. Uh, he loves Steph Curry. He read, like, a book about Steph Curry. So, he wants, like, a Stephen Curry jersey or a shirt. Uh, he also wants just, like, Blazer clothes as well. Mm. There's a couple of video games he wants. Um, I'm trying to think of what they were. I don't remember. Maybe, like, a Zelda game or something like that. And then the little one, he's just he's into, like, monster trucks still and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So, uh, you know, he's a big truck guy. I like it. At least that's not too difficult. No, yeah. Like, I, I can go out and just, you know, to some random store and get a Blazer shirt and they'd probably be psyched. There you go. See, my kid, I mean, he's he's really into music, various things like that. But some of the things he asks for, he likes to, like, invent things. <laughs> and they make no sense to me. But at one point, like, I'm looking at my list right now. Because throughout the year, I'll let him, anytime he wants something that is not just like, yeah, let's go pick that up. We add it to the list. Like, Dowels and ball bearings <laughs> are literally on this list. D cell batteries. I have no idea what was going through his head, but I'm like, yeah, I'll get some dowels, man. We'll make that happen. Sounds smart, and that's uh, that's awesome. <laughs> so smart, you know. I guess, man. I mean, his idea. He he, he wants to uh, he wants to uh, work on a like study engineering in college, but he wants to uh, invent musical instruments using his uh, engineering knowledge. So we'll wow. see what comes. Of that, but uh, I've been good. I I do have a few last minute things coming, but it's just the little stuff. Like I need to fill the stockings a little bit more. I got to get the pets something. Of course, we're a house where the cats have a stocking. It's absurd. That's that's fair. I mean, they're family. Yeah, just what a can of wet food, some catnip. We're trying silver vine. That's a that's supposedly like, it's like catnip, but even more intense. I really like to get my cats high and then mess with them. I was gonna say like what I mean, it sounds really druggy right here. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> I mean, it's one step short of just putting my cats in a K hole and setting them in front of the TV for a few hours. But uh, apparently, the silver vine leaf, it's basically the same. It's just supposedly it's and if they get aggro. On uh, catnip, it, it's a little bit more playful, supposedly. And like mm. Oliver, the older one, he gets down with uh, with catnip. We get it's called kitty crack, is what we get it, and it's like super concentrated. It's like salvia for cats, or like DMT for cats. And he'll kind of roll around and play for a little bit, and then he starts almost like remember when everyone was dabbing like the 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 dance. You know what I mean? Like not not dabbing like a, like a concentrate. Do you remember that when everyone would do that and they dip their head down? The cat starts doing that, and then he just rages and bites everyone within, I don't know, probably five and a half, six foot radius around him. We're like, dude, we, I love the first 20 minutes of this on the come up, and then he just loses his mind. That is insane, and uh, remind me to never come over if your cat is on that, because I don't... 
want to be attacked by this cat. No, it's intense, man. His pupils are popping, and he's just Are you sure out. this is safe? Is this FDA approved? I mean, th- that's just on the catnip, so we're trying, yeah, yeah we're trying the, we're going to try the silver vine, so <laughs> I'm sure the cat's not listening to the show, but there's going to be a little bit of that in his stocking this year. Uh, you did mention your kid, uh, Steph Curry. Fan. I like that. Yeah. Steph Curry, part of the 5 at 5. We're going to kick off today's 5 at 5, finishing up on last segment, talking about an NBA team, the Miami Heat, being very petty right now. Let's do it. The 5 at 5. So I mentioned the Brooklyn Nets being five twenty-five grand for putting eight players on the bench and resting on the second of a back-to-back. One team taking it even further, and that's the Miami Heat. Miami's been playing the same game. They've been fined several times. They have a game tomorrow against the Spurs in Mexico City. All 16 Heat players are on the injury report. All 16. Out. Kane, Vincent, and Yurtsevin. Questionable. Adebayo, Deadman, Haslam, Highsmith, Lowry, and Martin. Probable. Butler, Hero, Jovich, Oladipo, Robinson, Robinson, and Max Struess. So now, by listing all 16 players on the injury report, they can rest whoever they want without getting fined. There's something in the world I love called malicious compliance. I partake in it weekly. This is the professional sports version of malicious compliance. Stephen Vaughn, I am here for it. I mean, it's just, it's just so petty. It's just so petty. Like, why do you got to do it, though? Yeah, because otherwise they'll get fined if they rest <sighs> their players. I don't know. I just think it's weird. All I'm, not, I'm not a fan. All 16 players <laughs> on the injury list. Can we get some coaches on there, too? Maybe get the mascot? Yeah, might as well. The announcers. <laughs> I love it. Popcorn vendors. They're all on it. Let's do it, man. Get an usher on the injury report. Second of your five at five does involve Steph Curry. It sounds like he's going to be out of action for a while per Adrian Wojnarowski. He will miss a few weeks recovering from a left shoulder injury on Wednesday in the third quarter of their loss to the Pacers. He injured that shoulder. He underwent an MRI yesterday supposedly a labral injury but again the good news it's not a tear that requires surgery and uh head coach steve kerr didn't give a set timeline but said he expects curry back with lots of season left well the warriors are zero three without curry in the lineup this season they're playing right now as well they're taking on i think it's philadelphia without curry this is a team below 500 right now now they're missing their best player. I don't know. I mean, it depends on how long he's out, but they already have ground to make up. They're not looking great this season, especially on the road. Can they make the playoffs if Curry misses, say, a month? What do you think? I think that they can. Um, the Western Conference is is good. It's definitely not, I don't think it's top heavy. I think it's very, uh, there's a lot of depth in it, but I do think the Warriors can still sneak in the playoffs, even with Steph is out for that long. You're right, though. Two and thirteen on the road—that's the second worst record in the NBA. So they got to figure something out. But I, I think the Warriors—I just have trust in that culture and that fit. That you know, even with Jordan Poole running the show, I think they'll get enough wins. You know, they may not make the top six; they may make a play-in tournament. Yeah. But I do think that they get in. Why do you think they've struggled this season, even with Curry in the lineup? I mean, is it just variance shooting on the road? Is that chemistry starting to fracture? Are they just getting older? I, I think it's a little bit of uh, 
the Warriors, you know, this sounds kind of weird to say because they won the championship, but I think they were a little overrated last season. Out of all the championship teams they've had, last year was by far the worst. I'm still, you know, I've said this numerous times. I was on the Celtics. I thought the Celtics were by far the better team. They just didn't make shots. I was I was shocked that the Warriors won the championship. I think they're just coming down to earth a little bit from last year's run. You know, you win so many championships, you're not going to start out as hot. I think it's just a little bit of everything. And now, you know, maybe they just weren't as healthy, and you're seeing that come to fruition. Clay Thompson starting to get a little bit better. So I think it's just there's a lot of things, a lot of factors, but uh, I think it's mostly just this team isn't as good as we thought they were after the championship. Yeah, nothing lasts forever. Third thing at your five at five, Oregon State Beavers taking on Florida in the Vegas Bowl tomorrow morning. Oregon State looking for that elusive 10th win. They're riding high in Corvallis. Jonathan Smith has an extension in hand. Trent Bray has an extension in hand. They're fending off other schools, trying to get it. Damian Martinez, or just a quarterback away. John Canzano today in his column at johnconzano.com was writing about just the Beavers just being a quarterback away. I like Oregon State in this game. Steven, you said the spread's nine? Yeah, it went down to nine. It was down to eight and a half uh, earlier today. went back up to nine, but you know it was ten earlier in the week, so yeah. a little bit of money coming on Florida. It's a big spread against an SEC team. It's a big spread, but I, I like Oregon State to cover it. I don't think they're going to blow them out. It's not going to be like a 21-point win, but I think the Beavers are on a mission, man. I agree with you. I think I think Oregon State's going to get the job done and uh, cover this spread. I think it's just motivation factor. You know, I, I've been trying to find audio and stuff of the Florida Gators getting ready for Oregon State. I can't find any. Like they are not yeah. looking forward to this game. Not really prepared. I think Oregon State is. Fourth thing, five at five. Heavy lake effect snow in the Buffalo forecast for Dolphins Bills. That's a Saturday game. That's the best game of the three tomorrow on NFL Network. Just four weeks after a massive snowstorm forced the relocation of a Bills game against the Browns over to Detroit, snow is looming again over a home game. Uh, the snow Now, the warning starts at 7 o'clock tonight and uh, lasts through the weekend. It can result in accumulations of up to one to two feet. Now, that's a far cry from the literal six feet that hit areas, or I should say portions of the area, uh, last month, but that's enough to be a problem, especially for people that are trying to get to and from the stadium. And don't get me wrong, I know I know people in Buffalo, I know they know how to navigate the snow. That being said, two feet is tough. It's tough on the infrastructure. It's tough on people to, to get out there. Maybe you got people, elderly people, that, that aren't able to shovel their driveway on and on. Travel could be very difficult to impossible, according to the warning. It's unclear whether the NFL would delay the game, and that is scheduled to be televised, like I said, exclusively by the NFL Network. Part of me, fan safety is paramount. Like, it really is. Part of me, though, selfishly, wants to see a game played in a ton of snow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that is, you know... I think if anybody's going to be able to get to the game safely, though, it's Bills fans. Like, you touched on that a little bit. Like, they're they're a different breed. They're a different breed of people. Just crazy. Love their Buffalo Bills. Um, I, you know, I hope they don't cancel the game. I'd love to see a snow game. I love I love NFL snow games. I think they're a lot of fun. But it seems like it would be very hard. And also, just looking at that game, like, as a handicap-wise, how you're looking at it, the Dolphins are all about speed, right? Tyreek Hill, we talked about him. Jalen Waddell, they are super fast. 
if it's snowing and there's really a foot of snow on the ground, that is going to eliminate all that speed. Yeah. Uh, but it should be an interesting game, you know, for sure. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping it's uh, pretty snowy. I hope they don't cancel the game, and I hope the fans can get there safely. Maybe we can split the difference. There's not enough that it's unsafe to get to, but at game time, it starts snowing just pretty dumping. heavily. Yeah. yeah, it just dumps. I'm down with that. I'm, I'm down with that. That's what I'm looking for. Final thing of your 5 at 5 today. If the Seattle Seahawks are going to turn things around and make the playoffs, they've lost 4 of 5. They're going to have to do it without Tyler Lockett. He broke a bone in his index finger in their loss to the Niners last night, 21 to 13, the final there. He's going to have hand surgery. Don't know if he's going to be able to get back. It's not a major injury, but he's going to miss some time at a point in the season where sort of reality is set in for the Seahawks. It's been such a fun season for them so far. Remember, I mean, a lot of us thought that Denver was going to be a Super Bowl contender and the Seahawks were going to be in the Bryce Young, CJ Stroud sweepstakes. And, uh, well, it turns out that neither of those things is even close to true. So Seattle trying to make a push to the playoffs, now going to have to do it without not their top receiver, but one of their top receivers. Geno Smith has uh, come back to earth of late. He's been a great story. Now he's not going to have Tyler Lockett, at least in the near term. That's your 5 at 5. We do it every day on this show. Coming up on the other side, still a lot to get to today. Brittany Griner, she's made her first public comment since being released from a Russian prison last week. Uh, Tell you what she had to say. Is she coming back to the WNBA? Find out next. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back. Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. This is the BFT on the BFT Radio Network. David in Vancouver is in on Twitter. He asks if I'm doing peeves today. It's Friday. He says, I don't have one, but I will if you don't do it. Well, then I guess you're going to have a peeve, my man. I do not have plans to uh, to do that. If you have a peeve, you can call me. I'm just not going to do the whole segment. But you can if you want a peeve. 503 75 is the number to call. You can also tweet at me, at Peter Sampson. Brittany Griner is back. She made her first public comment since being released from a Russian prison last week, and she did that in a lengthy Instagram post. She thanked her uh, family, her wife, Sherelle, everyone in the WNBA, President Biden, her Russian legal team, and everyone essentially involved in her release. She did say... She plans to return to the Phoenix Mercury, her WNBA team, and uh, promised to do whatever she can to help the White House bring back uh, fellow prisoner Paul Whelan. It's interesting. So she is going to come back to the WNBA. I wonder if things will be different for her. And I mean that in a few different ways. I mean, obviously, she was already you know, one of the biggest stars in the WNBA. I mean, we all knew that. But uh, I wonder about the attention that she's going to get now considering everything that's happened since she last played in uh, 2021. I also wonder how effective she's going to be. I mean, taking time off, the the skills do arrive. I mean, you look at Deshaun Watson right now. I mean, Deshaun Watson was a top five quarterback, right? Also an alleged creep. But if we're just talking on the field play, you're talking about a multi-tool superstar. I mean, no one doubted that. 
and he sat a year, and then he uh, sat another year, I guess we'll say it that way, uh, not of his own uh, choosing, and now he's back, and Steven, he, do- he doesn't even look that good. I mean, these long layoffs, they, they affect everyone. I mean, you know, we think about Michael Jordan taking two years off and then coming back and he was kind of the MJ of old. That's because he's Michael Jordan. Like, And even then, he looked rusty for, I mean, a little bit. Uh, but most people can't necessarily do that. You know, it's either going to take a long time to get it back and you might not ever get it back fully to the degree uh, that you did when you were in it every single day. Yeah, I mean, what what sport do you think would be easiest to take a couple years off, come back, and then play? And what would be mm. the hardest? I think football, a quarterback especially, would be the hardest. Yeah, like not being able to just like you know watch film all the time. I think basketball is probably the easiest. You know, like Jordan did it, but Jordan was still good. I I do think that guys could roll off the couch. You know, you look at like a guy like Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo can roll off the couch. Right. He can put up buckets. Like he's not gonna do anything else, but he can score still in the NBA. I think for the NFL, like it's gonna take a little bit for Deshaun to get back. You know, unfortunately, I think he will be good next season because he is a very talented player, terrible person, great player. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to see him struggling in these first couple of games. But uh, I mean, at some point, he's gonna get it going again. Probably. I w- I wonder if baseball, like maybe not pitching, but you see some of these dudes like Kyle Schwarber. Big dude rolling up there. Like, I wonder if he could take a year off and then just come back and just still have the hand-eye just coordination. Mash. Just mash. Because <laughs> he's not expected to play the field or run or really be an elite athlete in that sense. He just goes up there and, and mashes. You know, or like you think of like CC Sabathia, you know, cream cheese Sabathia. That's a big dude. That was a big, big dude. And, I mean, yes – you have to maintain shoulder strength and leg strength, and you do have to kind of build up to that a little bit, but you're not exerting yourself to the max. Like like an NBA player, like if you miss two weeks, you have to recondition yourself to be able to go at that level. But I do agree with you that, I mean, some of these guys, if you have the jumper, you have the jumper. You see clips of dudes that are like 60 that play yeah. in the NBA, and yeah, they can't run with those guys anymore, but if you're just playing horse, they'll still beat you. Yeah, they don't miss. We've all played with those guys like City League or whatever. This is oh, like yeah. this old guy, you know he's going to make the shot. I mean, when we see a baseball, like baseball have these, you know, these surgeries for the pitchers. They're out for a year or two. And it takes them a little bit to come back. Like, they never come back fully, you know, right away, and they're awesome again. Look at a guy like Justin Verlander. You know, he had been hurt for a few years, struggled uh, mightily, you know, in Detroit, got traded to Houston, got fully healthy. Now he's on another contract with New York. Yeah, I mean, it's – um, I, I I do think that basketball is still the easiest. Football, as I think you could do it – I think it's um, – besides quarterback, like if you're playing a random position, you know, receiver or running back, as long as you have the athleticism, I think you could do it uh, way more easier than, uh, you know, basketball. Yeah, well, Brittany Griner does plan to play this season. It's going to be interesting. I mean, she's going to have a lot of attention, like a lot. That's going to be a pretty big story. And, I mean, I have no doubts that she can handle it. And she's, you know, it's probably going to be the gratitude to her, grateful to be back. Uh, But I am curious to see how that goes for her. Speaking of gratitude, you know who else is going to be on the gratitude tour? It's going to be Zach Wilson, man. He is back. He's getting another chance to show what he can do for the Jets. Mike White out with a rib injury. Wilson is going to get the start this Sunday versus the Lions. 
And Wilson's he is five and two as a starter this season. But if you remember, he got benched in week twelve. He had made those comments. He was starting to kind of play just really loosely. I mean, uh, Robert Solid talked about fundamentals, and I know that's some of it, but it really is. It's also his comments. He he wasn't accepting some accountability for their struggles. So Robert Sala wouldn't say whether Wilson would continue to start once white is cleared to play. But as long as it's not an absolute disaster, I anticipate Zach, uh, Zach Wilson being back in that lineup. Even after Mike White's ruled healthy. See, I, I, I disagree. I think, I think it's Mike White's job for the rest of the season, as long as he's healthy and then going forward, they need to figure out, you know, is Zach Wilson the guy? Because you talked about the comments like, yeah, it was the comments, but it was also that final game against new England. 9 of 22, 77 yards, mm-hmm. and the Patriots won on that punt return at the very end of the game. I think Zach Wilson had kind of lost the locker room a little bit. Nobody was trusting him, even though they were winning games. It was definitely not because of him, where you know at least Mike White has given him a better chance to win. I think it's, I think it's White's job for the end of the season, as long as he's healthy. So I, I think for New York, you know, they have a uh, they have a schedule where they're playing Detroit, Jacksonville, Seattle. Like these are winnable games, and they need to win at seven and six. I think it's Mike White's job the rest of the year as long as he can stay healthy. Well, and that's the other question, too, is we don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy. I don't know how long he's going to be out with that rib injury. I mean, I can't imagine being a quarterback with a rib injury like that. You ever broken your ribs? No, but it seems hard. It's miserable. I've done it twice. And it's awful because, you know, you go to the doctor and, oh, yeah, let's get an x-ray. Oh, yeah, you have a fractured rib. And then inevitably, there's not really much we can do about that. They used to wrap them. We don't do that. And uh, just take it easy. And you go, okay, I'll take it easy. And then they tell you the worst part. Every hour, you have to make sure to take some really deep breaths so you don't get pneumonia. Because, you know, you're hurt. And so you're taking these really shallow breaths. That can be bad for you if you do that for a long time. So you have to and really expand it out. You have a broken rib and you have to expand your, your sides. And it's miserable. And I remember the first time I did it, I was a teenager. I I I, uh, I was pitching in a game and I and I took a comeback or a line drive just right into my side, fractured my rib, and I you know okay I'm hurt I'm gonna take it easy for a while until it heals and so I'm watching Comedy Central you know it like not thinking at all and ha 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 ow ha 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 ow and you don't realize how much teenage boys just laugh at dumb stuff. Until you're dealing with a fractured rib, man, then you realize, like, okay, I need a, a little stoicism mixed in would be okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's not the best decision you probably ever made there, Peter, was to uh, watch Comedy Central on those broken ribs. Because, yeah, I mean, even nowadays, I just laugh randomly. I can't imagine, dude. Blaine Sports, the, sometimes these athletes, they really do, you know, they are very tough. You know, we, 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 we talk about how sometimes they're soft and, you know, mentally not as, you know, tough as they should be. A lot of these guys, some of these guys, especially a guy mm-hmm. like Mike White, who has battled for his whole career, like, you know he wants to get out there. And a little broken rib is not going to – like, he would want to play, but he just can't be cleared. And so, uh, you know, they have to take him out. Yeah. I mean, it hurts so bad. Now imagine a linebacker blitzing and just crushing you, and you already have a broken rib. It, 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 I can't even imagine the pain. Like, searing white hot pain. It's miserable. It's miserable. I'm glad you've never had that happen to you. It's it's not comfortable. I, I luckily have never had, like, a serious injury. I mean, I've been hurt pretty yeah. badly where, you know, I missed a game with a hip injury, but never, like, a serious injury. I've been very lucky in that sense. Last last uh, pretty serious injury I had is I, uh, I broke my foot covering a Blazers game a few years mm. ago. <laughs> It's funny too. I didn't realize I broke. I I never went to the doctor or anything. I was purple from my toes almost up to my knee, 
and well, that was a really bad sprain, right? And I've I've sprained ankles like that before, where it's just gross. And uh, so I just deal with it. I'm on crutches a little bit. And uh, a couple years later, Kim, who is a critical care nurse, she's on the uh, sort of the uh, supply chain side of things now, but she she's a critical care nurse. I've got my feet on her lap, and she's just kind of absentmindedly brushing my feet, and she just goes to a spot and goes, when did you break your foot? And I went, I don't know. And she goes, you broke your foot. And I go, oh, I did. That's right. And I'll tell you what happened. It was the it was the Blazers OKC series. It was the series of Dame's yeah. The Shot. And it was, if you, it, no one talks about it anymore because everyone talks about that shot. But Paul George, we didn't know if he was going to play in that series because right. of his shoulder. That's right. And so... Uh, the 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 first game there at Moda Center is is Paul George going to play? Well, Paul George is warming up, and I got to get down there to get a shot for the station. And uh, so you're allowed with your credential. You can't just walk all over the court, but you can get depending on the time. You can get like a foot or two inbounds, so to speak, on the sidelines or the baseline. You got to stay out of the way, but you can get on there. And I don't know how long George is going to be warming up. And it's the playoffs. So, you know, press row is in the 100 level on the the sideline, almost center court, like one section off of center court. But in the playoffs, when a lot of the national guys come to cover it and ESPN is there, they kick us local radio guys up to the 200 level. Still, it's not a bad seat, you know, but we're in a different section. So I'm in the 200 level and I see Paul George shooting a basketball. And this is the big question. So I'm running down the aisle. Run, 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 run. I'm not sprinting, you know, because there's other people. There's dudes holding beers and stuff. I got to be careful. But I'm running down. And I get down, and you get to the 100 level, and then you get into the really sweet 100 level section where instead of, like, row A or B, it's double A, double B, double C. And at that point, it's not concrete stairs. It's, like, metal siding almost, and the steps are a little bit wider, and they kind of when you step on them. I get all the way off the stairs. And I am down, I'm on the baseline, basically. But it turns out, even though I'm off the stairs, there's one more little lip that's just Mm. about two inches high. It's not a stair. And I walk, I'm done running, and I walk, and I just catch the corner of that thing, and I just completely rolled my, like, I put my foot on sideways, dude. I collapse. And then it was a whole deal. Like, I felt so hard. Like, my knee was bloody. I felt so hard. Uh, Joe Becker from NBC is laughing at me. But that's the thing. Like, it's bad because you fell. Like, if Because then everyone's like, oh, man. Like, you're, yeah. we, we need to check if you're okay, but it was also funny that you fell. Hundreds of fans are right there watching Shoot Around, and I hear I hear a crowd go, oh! <laughs> and, like, I'm, my pride is hurt. But it turns out I'm actually hurt. And then the worst part, an usher comes over, sir, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I, just, I tripped and fell. They had to check, the, like, have you been drinking? Uh, no, I'm working right now. And then I have to get my super and like I'm not mad at her. I understand why you have a protocol in place, and anytime someone falls, even if it is me covering this game, you need to follow the protocol. I'm like, look, go ahead and bring her over. I'll have a conversation. You do whatever you need to do to check me. I have to get this photo. I'm going to take this now. Is that okay? I'm not leaving. I'm just going to be right over here. Yeah, okay. Click. Get my photo. I talk to her for a little bit, and then she's like, Yeah, dude. Like. You're fine. And, well, I'm not fine. I'm really hurt. But, yes, you are correct. I'm not intoxicated. Go back. Sit in a little press row. And, like, we're so crowded in. I can't even stretch my legs for, like, two hours. Mm. If you've ever seriously rolled your ankle, like, even just a bad sprain, and then just held it completely still, like, you stiffen up, it swells. Yeah. Here's the thing. 
I had a uh, post uh, an NBA wrap up show that just magically coincided with the end of Blazer games, just magically, coincidentally. And so I would leave at the end of the third quarter, and I would just take the Max, the mass transit system here in Portland. I would just take that from Moda Center, and it drops you just a couple blocks from the station. Get up here. I would come back. I'd get here usually with like five minutes left in the game. Watch the end. Hit the airwaves. At that point, leaving, I was just like, oh, yeah, that really hurt. Okay, time to get up. Oh, my goodness, it hurts so bad. And then I'm just limping blocks at like 945 at night getting here. It was hor- It was purple and swollen for weeks. Never did anything with it. And then, uh, yeah, a couple years later, how would you break your foot? Uh, did I? And she kind of grabs my hand. Do you feel that? Oh, yeah, I, I guess I guess my right foot doesn't protrude like that on top like my left one does. Interesting. So uh, that's my most recent injury. It's it's not good, man. Not good. Was not pleasant. All right. We'll go away. Come back on the other side. Keep it going. A little MLB hot stove, NBA, and a whole lot more. Peter Sampson from Kanzano. It's the BFT. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back in. Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. You know, every year in the NBA, there's a league pass darling. You know, at least I have one. I know, but it does seem to kind of enter the national consciousness. You know, it's been Portland before some of the earlier Damian Lillard years. Like, wow, he's willing this team. They were supposed to win 23 games and they're fighting for the playoffs. You know, that sort of stuff. Last year, without a doubt, at least for me, it was the Cleveland Cavaliers. Young, fun, overachieving. This year, I haven't watched them as much, even though they have added Donovan Mitchell. This year for me, and uh, it's kind of stunning to say, considering they they have about a 31% win percentage, the Orlando Magic, for me, are the league pass team this season. And frankly, it's not even that close. Yeah, Paolo Boncaro, the runaway for Rookie of the Year, barring you know injury or maybe Benedict Matherin really exploding even more than he already has. Uh, but, man, the Bull Bull experience has reached new heights this year. I don't know if you've seen any of this dude's highlights, and I know, man, if you're listening in Eugene, this might sting a little bit because obviously he never got the opportunity to to really do anything uh, with the Ducks. And, uh, of course, with Denver, they didn't play him either. Bull Bull averaging 12-7, and 12-7 this year. But the way he's doing it, it's everything that he was hyped as coming into Oregon you know, however many years ago that was now, what, four years ago now, I believe it was. I mean, at any given night, if Orlando plays, you can find on social media some crazy bull bull highlight. You know, yesterday was him grabbing the rebound, going the length of the floor, busting a spin move on the Hawks defender and gathering for the two-hand stuff. He had another one where he crossed a dude over behind the back flip to, uh, I think it was Cole Anthony for three. He is so much fun to watch. Steven, it's kind of awesome for a guy who looked like an absolute bust. He was such a unique skill set. Looked like he was totally a bust. Finally, 
kind of putting it together a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. He's been very exciting. The question is, is is it going to work? And is the experiment in Orlando going to work with a lot of these tall, lengthy, you know, six eight to six ten guys that can dribble and shoot and do all that? Is that going to work in the NBA where you don't have any true like lead guards? Because the guys they got there probably aren't it right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was just a question of can Bull Bull stay healthy? He always had the talent. You saw that at Oregon. Like yeah. That year that Oregon, I believe they went to the Sweet 16, but he was out for most of it. Like, I think he only played nine games. Yeah, he was out for most of it. Peyton Pritchard led that way, uh, that led that team. But Bull Bull, like, he was, when he played, he was really good. And he, saw, he put up the numbers. You saw the ability of him to put the ball on the ground and make jump shots. And he just never stayed healthy, never got a chance in Denver. Now he's getting a chance, and it's cool to see – you know, a guy really flourish. And we talk about like these, you know, the quote unquote unicorns or guys that we haven't really seen before. We haven't really seen a guy that's, you know, seven two besides Victor Wimbanyama, but he's not in the NBA yet. But like this could be what Victor Wimbanyama is, only he will probably be better and taller and just better at everything. It's like but, Wimby Light. Yeah, Wimby Light, but like the for the magic to get this guy, I mean, just what a what a deal by them and you gotta hope it turns into something. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's rough to, or it's interesting to look at a team that's 9-20 and 20 and go, they've really got something here. But I sort of think they have the makings of something. So, I mean, obviously, Paolo Boncaro averaging almost 22 points, 7 boards, 4 assists. I mean, he's been, he's been uh, frankly, I'll just admit it, better than I thought he was going to be. I thought he's going to be one of those guys that it's just like, he's going to give you 15 and a half a night and j- from the start, and that's just what he's going to give you for the career. He has been better than I thought from day one. I thought he had the highest floor of the top three picks. I was wrong. Like, he looks great. But after that, you have uh, Franz Wagner. 20 points a game. He looks fantastic. And but they still have not that I'm a huge like Cole Anthony guy. They're still trying to figure out Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs together. I don't know if that'll work, but someone I think it will shake out between those two. Wendell Carter Jr. is putting together a nice quiet 16 and 9 to go with three and a half assists as well. You add Bull Bull to that. Markel Fultz hasn't played much, but he's back. He can give you double digits. And they still have nice other little pieces like Gary Harris. Uh, Mo Bamba hasn't exactly worked out. They do have him. But as long as they don't Orlando magic it up, they have some nice guys there for the next maybe two, three years to possibly develop into something that could reach the playoffs. You did sneak that in there. As long as they don't (laughs) Orlando magic it up. I mean, it's kind of like the Kings, right? Like, as long as they don't be the Sacramento Kings, they could be okay. Kings looking good this year. I'm with you. Like, at least, you know, the thing about it is in the NBA is either you want to be really good or really bad or you want to have good young players and that you just don't know what they're going to be. You just need talent. And at least the Magic right now, if you're a Magic fan, which I don't know, I don't really know any Magic fans, no. but if there are, like, they got to be excited that at least they have some pieces that you don't know what the ending's going to be for them. Like, you look at Portland, like, they kind of have a ceiling on a lot of their guys. I think Anthony Simons is the one guy, Shaden Sharp, another guy, that you don't know what their actual ceiling is. Everyone else has kind of hit their scene. Orlando Magic, like, they have, you know, like you just named out five, six guys that they all could be really, really good. And if they are, that's when they're contenders. But, you know, pro- you know, odds are they're not going to alter into that. But at the same time, like, if you're a fan, you got to love where you're at, even though they're not winning games. What's going to be really interesting. So imagine they continue to struggle. 
Young players, you know, build skill sets, gain confidence, but they just continue on this pace. Maybe even they get a little bit worse. Someone gets injured, you know, say they win like 23, 24 games. What if they win the Wimbenyama sweepstakes and then they have Wendell Carter Jr., Bull Bull, Mo Bamba, and Victor Wimbenyama all on the same Paolo roster? Bencaro. Yeah. Like, they're starting all 6'10 guys? Yeah. I mean, that could be a legitimate thing that they try. And it would be fun to watch. Like, I don't think it would work, but it would be a fun experiment. Wimbenyama and Bull Bull in the same lineup. Imagine that. It's It's almost 15 feet of dude that weighs a combined what? 400 pounds, Four, yeah, maybe. 410. Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. But they are fun. If if you jumped on League Pass this year because it's only 15 bucks a month uh, and you haven't watched any Orlando Magic basketball, it's really fun. They're probably going to lose. But there's something about watching that team right when they're starting to put it together, even when they're not good. Like, I think back to the, the 07 Blazers, I think it was, 08 Blazers. I remember that team. The year they won 13 in a row and they only finished 500, but it gave you that hope. It, what's what are these kids going to do next? You had to tune it. It was must watch basketball, obviously during the win streak. But even when they were losing games like, OK, we got Roy, we got Aldridge, even guys that never fully panned out. Rudy Fernandez and Travis Outlaw and guys like that. You just you had that sense that this might be the beginning of something. And as it turns out, it really wasn't. But in a way, that's kind of the essence of what being a fan of a sports team is all about. Yeah, that was one of my most fun seasons to be a fan. Oh my god! I went to a lot of games that year, especially during the streak. You know, sitting up in the three hundreds with the, you know the real fans. Like we're going nuts. I remember Jared Jack hit a half court shot at halftime in one of the games. I believe it was like win number ten in their win streak, something like that. And it was so loud in there. Yeah. And it just came out of nowhere that Portland was even you know solid. And like you said, they finish out 41-41 and 41 on the season. You're like, well, not even a good season. But no, like based off expectations and now building forward, like this was a great season. And, and yeah, I mean, I think teams like Orlando, teams like Sacramento, like they're in this kind of spot right now where you know, last season for Portland, they weren't looking at that. They were just really tearing it down to be better. And I think they've executed their plan as well. But, they, you know, there's something about it where, you know, you can be a fan of a team that's not very good but still have a lot of fun watching your team. In some ways – and and not in all ways, but in some ways, that's the most fun as a sports fan. And I know, Samson, you're crazy. It's better. It's more fun when your team wins 63 games and wins a title. Yeah, okay. But w- when you're really good, there's a lot of expectations. And it's easy to just start gripping over the most minor, like, oh, my gosh, they lost three in a row and, and trade deadline and this and that. And we have to. But when you have truly no expectations, whatever, and you just start to gel a little bit and it's just entertaining, it can be like that's as much fun as you can have as a fan in a lot of ways. It's kind of similar like, you know, I know, you know, some musicians that have kind of, you know, really done some things and uh, almost to a T, they all say the best time like in a band is right before you get big because there's no expectations. You're starting to do it. People are showing up. But all that grind and people wanting more and more and more, it's not there yet. And I think that really has an analog in sports fandom. So right now, the Orlando Magic, 
one, you know, nine games. And you could go, why would anyone watch this team? But they're just fun to watch. They'll fall short at the end of the night, but keep an eye on some of these guys. And, and I mean, I was wrong about Paolo. I'm glad to see Bull Bull. Frankly, I was wrong about Franz Wagner, too. I really didn't expect much from him. And he's, he lights out, man. He's unbelievable. Uh, he's played in all uh, 29 games, one of only two guys to do that, Bull Bull being the other. 33 minutes, 20 points a game for Franz Wagner. So uh, keep an eye out for the Orlando Magic. By the way, I'm glad you brought up Jarrett Jack. Blazers legend Jarrett Jack. He doesn't get brought up enough. Jarrett Jack, man. And I loved the dude. I loved his clutch shots. I loved his attitude. I loved the fact that he would step on the sideline once a game and turn the ball over. I mean, tell me I'm crazy. Once a game, he would step out of bounds for no reason whatsoever and get a turn. I'm talking with no pressure. He's just on the fast break. He's cutting. And at midcourt, he just steps on the sideline. Yeah, I I know what you're talking about. That so, that and then the uh, did you ever notice that when Jared Bayless played in Portland, he would always yeah. shoot uh, two pointers with his foot on the line, like he tried to shoot a three. He always. would step on the line as a two pointer. That drove me insane. Jared Bayless looked like miniature Carlos Boozer. That's what drove me insane. The players have had so many of these guys. They're just like, oh man, this guy's gonna be great. No, no, he's terrible. And Battery Copenin, man. <laughs> Joel Freeman, baby. Armand Johnson. I was completely sold on that guy. I thought he was going to be good. I mean, for that, like, four-game stretch or six, he was was awesome. And then it it didn't take long for, you know, everyone to get on Quizlet and realize that he could only go left. That's all it was. (laughs) I can't shoot. Yeah, he could only go left. He could drive to the rack, little scoop shot going left as soon as they're like, you know what? Go right, big fella. Can't do it. Out of the league. That did not take long, but I'm with you. He looked so, so good. And not only that, but the Blazers, they needed a point guard at that time. That's so much fun, man. We we here in Oregon, man, we latch on to that little dude, and we're like, this is the future. That's my guy. All right, final segment coming up next. Leave it here. Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. This is the Bald Face Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back in. Final segment of the program. If you're in Portland, leave it here. I'll take you home to 7 o'clock with my show, The Pulse. Going to crack an adult beverage and have some fun. Just thinking of random blazers after that last segment. I love doing that. We were talking about uh, some of the randos here. Pettery Copen and Joel Freeman. How about Tim Quarterman, Stephen Vaughn? Tim <laughs> Quarterman. Ben Simmons' teammate at LSU. Is there a guy that you hated? Because Sasha Pavlovich, when he was on the Blazers, I absolutely hated him, and I hated that he played like an actual role on the team. Yeah, Uh, for no good reason. I hated Eric Maynard. Remember Eric Maynard? (laughs) Got him from OKC. Uh, but I loved, like, uh, if you go back to when they were terrible, like Victor Kriapa and Sergey Monya. Uh, I loved Josh McRoberts and Shavlik Randolph. Do you remember Shavlik Randolph? I do. Luke Schencher had a stretch here <laughs> yeah. in Portland. Alonzo G. I, uh, I remember back in those days, like, I went to a lot. Like, they, they would just give out tickets for free. And, yeah. And uh, me and my wife, back then, we went to the last game of the year, fan, you know, fan night. And uh, the Blazers coming out of the crowd got a high-five Luke Schencher. It was awesome. My man, you, who I couldn't stand. And this is not a nobody. Like, he played a lot for one season here. A J.J. Hickson. Mm. He of the meaningless double-double every night in a bat. I mean, just an empty stats guy. We, uh, I was at the Center Casino one time with him. 
Really? He was up there gambling, playing some blackjack. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I'd play some blackjack with J.J. Hickson. Can we get Louis Montero in there, too? <laughs> Best story about Louis Montero is when you tried to talk junk to Kobe, and Kobe is like, he was just like, if you weren't alive when I started playing the league, you can't do that. And, and Montero literally went, okay, yes, sir, I'm sorry, and sat down. With that... That's a fun way to end the show. If you're in Portland, leave it here for The Pulse with me. If you are not in Portland, I appreciate you. Have a great weekend. We're out.